Cool fact, a crocodile can't stick out its tongue. Also, you can get health insurance for a month or just under a year in some states. United Healthcare short-term insurance plans, underwritten by Golden Rule Insurance Company, offer flexible, budget-friendly coverage for you. Learn more at UH1.com. Ever catch yourself eating the same flavorless dinner three days in a row? Dreaming of something better? Well, HelloFresh is your guilt-free dream come true, baby. It's me, Kiki Palmer. Let's wake up those taste buds with hot, juicy pecan crusted chicken or garlic butter shrimp scampi. Mm. Hello Fresh. Stop dreaming of all the delicious possibilities and dig in at HelloFresh.com. Let's get this dinner party started. Hello and welcome to Cinematic Universe, the podcast turning the podcastronic ray on its listeners this week to hopefully ecstatic results. I'm your host, Joe Cunningham, and joining me are James Hunt and Reese Williamson. Yeah. Uh, today we're gonna be we're, we're gonna be double barbing. We are discussing <laughs> 1968's Barbarella and 1996's Barb Wire. Wow, well, uh, I've, I've been watching the Barbie movie. <laughs> oh man. I've just been um, watching Bob and Bob and Star go to the Vista. Bob and Star go to the Vista. I screwed up on that. Sorry, guys. This, <laughs> bad. The, those would make an interesting triple bill um, if anyone ever wants to program that. <laughs> uh, but before any of that, I'd like to ask James to explain a comic book concept that I just don't understand. Um, so, James, um, mm-hmm. uh, apparently, the world is mourning the Justice League. Um, who are ab- about to die in a comic called Death of the Justice League. Yeah, yeah. Uh, but apparently there is also going to be another big DC event called Dark Crisis. Yeah, um, imagine imagine if you will, a crisis, but dark. <laughs> oh, shit. Oh. Yeah. And, and darker than the one where the, the Justice League die. <laughs> well, well, this is, that kicks off the Dark Crisis, right? It's, okay. it's darker than the one where just Supergirl died. It's it's darker than you know the one where people kept losing arms and stuff. And the crises <laughs> are always darkest before the dawn. Yeah, yeah. Although they have promised that this crisis is not going to be a massive universe uh, changing overhaul of continuity. It's just going to be your run of the mill crisis. Yeah, yeah. It's going to be a crisis, a crisis, and then everything's going to be fine again afterwards. <laughs> Even though everything's not fine before because the Justice League are dead. Yeah, well, you see, in the nineties, they killed off Superman, and that sold really well. And so, it's it's tough to kill off just Superman again. But if they kill all of them, <laughs> you know, you can you can maybe get away with that. Reese, do you care about this? Is this a, is this a, is this a, is this a story that you care about? Is it going to be I getting you picking up some I, comics? Um, will it get me picking up comics? I wouldn't say it will, um, but. <laughs> But I feel like they don't use they don't do the crisis thing. You know, they do try and hold that for for major events. Um, I mean, it's interesting, isn't it? It feels like a while since DC did a yeah. big crossover event. And certainly, I mean, is it, is certainly Final Crisis, the, the last crisis. Final Crisis, I think, was the last crisis. Yeah, they did it's the. Penultimate crisis. Yeah, I liked it when they called a final destin a final destination movie the final destination. <laughs> <laughs> and then made another. Uh, yeah. Um so so there's there's something to that. And there's also you know, I'd be I'd be reading these last couple of weeks about 
um, Batman's moving to New York, but it's a different Batman. Ooh, tweet, twist. Um, it's Jace Fox. Uh, and and he's to do, there's something to do with the, the future state stuff. And that's linked, that seems to be linking to this. And then you've got all of the, I find quite interesting meta of Dan, Dan DiDio's cancelled 5G thing where he was going to have all of the, the main line characters replaced by their legacy versions. And this seems to be a bit like that, but, 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 you know, it, it, do, it does feel a bit like that's the, that was the prototype for this storyline. And they've gone, well, hmm. we did all that development work. So let's, let's recycle those characters and stuff and, into this. And why was that canceled? Is that linked to 5G giving you COVID? <laughs> no, it was canceled because, um, you know, DC editorial is a shit show basically. <laughs> Okay. There, I just there were some whether... leadership changes, and they just slammed the brakes on. I don't know, James, your your opinion on this. So you got you got all the multiverse shit that's happening in the movies in in across you know in, in both um, DC and Marvel. Mm-hmm. It feels like all of this multiverse stuff is sort of heightening ever even even more in the comics. Mm-hmm. You know, I just almost wonder whether there's a bit of a lane now that's opening up for a kind of a, a ultimate style, you know, just a, a, a much more grounded, um, a much more grounded line. Uh, and this, um, this, this DC stuff, it doesn't sound like it, it is that, but you know, and then this ties in with what we're going to talk about. We're going to talk about the, the Batman, the movie and whether DC, whether they ought to be, I don't know, maybe just slightly trying to try to ground down the, the universe. I mean, that's something sometimes with these things, it, it sort of becomes, it's just too late or it's, you can't just reset like that, but you know, an ultimate style, um, this universe, uh, I don't know. Just, that's, those are ideas. All, I'm finding, I'm finding all the multiverse references. Every time I read a multiverse in either a article about a comic or a movie or a TV show, it's just, it's getting a bit exhausting. Um, it's just a it lot. Does, yeah, I agree. It does feel a bit like stop, stop telling like such complex cosmic level superhero stories and you know just give us a legit story where spider-man gets in a costume and stops some crime (laughs) stop trying to make the multiverse happen well more like not every story has to be about that yeah and also the comics have always been the place for the for that not for that some of those bug nuts ideas whereas now the movies and the tv shows are kind of doing that stuff also so i feel like the comics ought to be trying to freshen up in some direction and maybe yeah, the, maybe the answer is you go crazier um mm. i don't know anyway just some noodling around that i'm doing or, in my or, brain box or potentially the there there is an awareness that the movies are going to want to do more and more multiverse stories, and yeah. let's let's create more of those give that them, can be adapted. Give them R and D. Yeah, well, that, that's what future, it was. Yeah. Just a just to circle back to Dark Crisis. The impression I get from Dark Crisis is that it's an attempt to take these sort of second tier, like legacy future versions of the characters who've been sort of hanging around the fringes, and go, well, can we make? can we make this future Superman or this alternate Batman into a character that's a going concern in the same way that Marvel, you know, cracked Miles Morales. Yeah. And therefore, if we can make that work, you know, five, 10 years down the line, we can have Mm -hmm. these new animated movies or these new live action movies with these new versions of the characters that people haven't seen. Mm -hmm. So that I think, you know, certainly for listeners of our podcast, that's why you might be interested in, 
in something like Dark Crisis, because that's the direction I think the the properties are going to go in the future. Cool. Okay, should we move on to the comic book movie and TV news? Yeah, um, there's a lot of it because we haven't recorded a podcast for a long yeah, time. Yeah, <laughs> we just we did. Well, I'm not one with news on anyway. Not one with news. Uh, yeah. So uh, we're 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 gonna we're gonna blast through some of this. Uh, the first one is that Netflix is de- is developing a Scott Pilgrim animated series. Um, so apparently, Brian Lee O'Malley is involved as a writer and exec producer, um, and also involved is Ben David Grabinski, who worked on "Are You Afraid of the Dark?" <laughs> According to this article that I'm reading. Um, <laughs> I guess I guess this is a thing that I could very much see existing. Um, uh, the the question I would ask is, as uh, you know, two, like, I think three of us who all have read and enjoyed Scott Pilgrim, is is this something that you think is a good idea? Yes, I I would say it's a good idea, it's largely because there's a lot of material in those books yep. that didn't make it into the film. Like you could comfortably get a, a good season or two out of the, those stories. And those characters are rich enough that you could tell more stories mm-hmm. with them as well. Like, I, I don't know where they're planning to directly adapt the books or loosely adapt the books or just do the further adventures of, but any, any combination of that, I would be happy to watch. And also, you know, as, as invent, as visually inventive as the film was, um, the comics are, are more so, much more so. Um, and, and the movie's amazing because it's sort of, for what it does do within the live action format, but that, that it feels like there still is, just like there's scope with the story, there's scope with the storytelling to do a really a really fun adaptation that feels different enough to the movie, which, I mean, I, lo- I really love that. I really love the movie. Yeah, yeah. But, Mm-hmm. Uh, and then, and then, as you, you know, the ending was right. The 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 final comic hadn't even come out when the movie was being written, mm-hmm. so like the ending is different. And, the, and um, the movie, the movie muffs the ending, yeah, pretty yeah. badly, I think. Mm-hmm. My my kind of only question is, and maybe this is about me and aging, and I don't know, but uh, <laughs> um, I feel like the movie, I feel like some of the gender politics of the film haven't aged that well. Um, you know, weren't great at the time, but sort of mm-hmm. you look back now and you kind of you you don't really you don't really buy the relationship, or at least I don't. Um, and I can't remember how much of that is in the source material, and I can't remember. Or, or and I'm, I wonder if that's <laughs> well, something it, that they would be looking there, to the, sort of try and solve. The source material is more openly critical of Scott, isn't it? Right. Yeah. Yeah. As a as so, a well, certainly it becomes that way. Like it starts off it starts off playing it fairly straight and it's hard to tell whether like they, you know, you can see, you can see portions where Brian Lee O'Malley was course correcting as he was writing the the comic. It's hard to know how much of it, like he was thinking of right mm. at the start. I guess my, my reticence to be too excited about this project is, um, I, I is Scott Pilgrim still re- not not just whether mm. it's politics of age badly, but it feels like a, a a story that was that was perfectly pitched mm. at the time and to the generation mm. that it was talking to. Yeah, and this, this was going to be my. Yeah. I kind of think if you do an animated show that lands on Netflix, 
I'd be surprised if it finds itself a new young audience and isn't just watched by, you know, middle-aged white guys. Not young people mm. like me and Reese, but you, you, James. <laughs> <laughs> no, yeah, I when when I saw that this was happening, I was a bit like, oh, that would have been a really good idea, you know, five, ten years ago. I'm, I sort of, you know, it, I think it's fine that it's happening... Uh, I don't know that it's going to have quite the impact or find the audience that it could have found a few years ago. Like there's so much sort of middling adult animation on Netflix. It's impossible to, to pay attention to it all. Like, um, uh, what was that? There was one about conspiracies that came out recently. Um, Oh yeah. God, what was that called? Yeah. yeah. Yes. That one. But (laughs) that one that I can't even remember the name of, was pretty good, but I just saw no one talk about it. Um, I was going to say, yeah, I mean, yeah, I remember <coughs> from the comics the inside job, inside job. There you go. Scott Pilgrim is, is so it really ca- so much about youth and about you know it's it, proper coming of age story of all those of all those characters, but also but coming of age at that time and yeah, it's, and even it's just a... with the increase in dating apps or TikTok or I mean all of the buzzwordy sh- shit, right? But <laughs> What will this will this put that all in and therefore sort of change you know muddle around with the dynamics or will it leave it out and therefore you're trying to tell a story about this very specific yeah moment think, in time and an age of a person but it doesn't feel like it connects with the with with that with the age of those people uh, today because yeah I think you're right in the 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 story of Scott Pilgrim or the success of Scott Pilgrim is because it's a coming of age story about like media literate sort of Mm. Um, you know, millennial. I, I don't want to say nerds, but yeah, it's millennial. Cause, you know, cause, well, because everyone's a nerd now, right? That's that's the line. And it was about mm. those people who grew up with like this, you know, pop culture suff- suffused into their lives. Mm. And I think, yeah, the way technology and culture have changed since Scott Pilgrim means it's going to be strange to to go back to it unless they're doing it as a really hard period piece or updating it massively. Well, you've seen with Why the Last Man, right, that a similar era comic book that was a really big deal at the time, mm-hmm. took too long to get adapted. They try and try to update it, but it's it just it's felt like that, that that maybe that wasn't a timeless story. That was a story from that moment. Yeah. And after a certain point is reached, and, and we'll, we'll, we'll find out with Sandman this year, you know, is, is that well, i guess that's they are that's literally about the timeless but you know is that <laughs> is that a timeless comic um or is that going to feel dated even though it's about dream lords or whatever <laughs> <laughs> basically i'm i'm happy for me that this is going to happen i'm i'm happy for you too but <laughs> <laughs> i'm not sure i'm not sure it's going to be uh as as big a deal as it would have been Okay, uh, let's move on to the next piece of news, which is that the CW is apparently developing a show called Justice You for David Ramsey's John Diggle character. Now, I think, you know, guys, I don't think any of us have been watching the CW shows for a while. Um, Arrow has ended, Supergirl has ended, and... um, this this just reading this made me think uh it reminded me of you know the mcu and how long it took them to give black widow a movie and mm. by the time the movie turned it turned up 
there wasn't the buzz around it because it had come too mm. late. And it, it, John Diggle, the, the character that David Ramsey played that was a fan favourite, you know, the, the best part of a decade ago now. Like, and, and now they're finally giving him a show, but actually it's a show where he recruits <laughs> five, five young superheroes yes. and they live yes. undercover at a university. <laughs> and it, it sounds like nonsense. I mean, all of these shows, I'm, I'm sure all of these shows can be fun and find their audience. But I did just think, like, weren't you talking at one point about maybe this guy would be the CW <laughs> versus Green Lantern? And mm. now he's this. Yeah, there's got to be a double-edged sword. He gets that call. Good, hey, this is good, good news. Uh, good news, Mr. Ramsey. Uh, you're going to get your own show on the scene already. Oh, man, great. Bad news, it's going to be about the hot teams that you are training from a Zoom call. <laughs> and you're going to be going to be in it not a ton. Uh, but you can direct some of the episodes if you want. Um, yeah, yeah, maybe, a, yeah, sort of the, the, the timing thing's a bit like what we talk about with school program. You know, that's, it's, yeah, it's sometimes it's time to, what's the, what's the, What's the Kylo Ren line from Star Wars? <laughs> uh, leave the fast <laughs> if you have to, you know. And I'm not saying David Ramsey should be killed. I'm not saying that, but I'm just saying. You know, Sounds like you might uh, be saying that. Yeah. <laughs> no, I included this because you found me. You, this I thought this sounded fun, and I like uh, I like Diggle. I like Ramsey, and I watched half an episode of Superman and Lois when I was drunk the other night on BBC One, and it, I thought, oh, the production values of these shows have definitely gone up. So you know, hey, hey, hey. <laughs> I'm happy for him that he's getting a, a payday, but it doesn't doesn't sound like the most compelling show. Um, hey, here's another show for us to debate. Uh, since we last recorded news, there was a trailer for Moon Knight on <laughs> yeah. Moon Disney, Knight Moon Knight on, on Disney Plus. <laughs> Hello, I'm a Moon Mr. Moon Knight. I'm I'm a I'm a Moon Knight, ain't I? And I'm. <laughs> And I work in yeah. I, I work in a museum. And at night, I look at the moon, and I become a moon knight, isn't it, Gavna? <laughs> That's still is the only thing you can take away from this trailer. It's not yeah. the only thing. Um, I I actually, <laughs> James and I were messaging when this trailer landed, and James was like, I was kind of completely disinterested, and then. I saw him in the costume and I thought, oh, that's cool. And I was like, oh, I'm kind of interested. And then there was the shot of him in the costume and I was like, oh, and, it, and now it just looks like all the other stuff. <laughs> so between us, we are both half interested in what's going on here. Yeah, so I think it, I think it might make for a fun um, a fun Patreon week-by-week week journey. Uh, Reese, where are you on, on the Moon Knight trailer? The Moon Knight trailer? I really... Um, the main, uh, I like the, 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 the Oscar Isaac. Um, I just, I really, I mean, everybody does, but I really, really, really like Oscar Isaac. Um, this trailer could just been, I don't know, just like you could have seen like um, Starbucks coffees in the background and boom, mics coming to shot and it's, and it, you know, the special effects only cost a pound. And anyway, uh, I, but I still would be like, no, Oscar Isaac is going to be the moon night and I'm going to, I'll give it a watch. Um, the accent I think is almost more it intrigues me more because it's so it's so kind of bad and silly that <laughs> it must be it must be I, a choice. Can I can I can I throw out a um a, I don't even want to say so, a, a theory, but just so, like a a thing about Moon Knight that I really hope turns out to be true. 
Mm-hmm. Which is so that anyway, uh, this is the this is the official description of the show. So the series follows Stephen Grant, a mild mannered gift shop employee, <laughs> <laughs> who becomes Wonderful. plagued with blackouts and memories of another life. Stephen discovers his he has uh, dissociative identity disorder and shares a body with mercenary Mark Spector. As Stephen slash Mark's enemies converge upon them, they must navigate their complex identities whilst thrust into a deadly mystery among the powerful gods of Egypt. Um. So I mean that that sounds pleasingly bug nuts. Um, mm-hmm. What what I'm hoping is that that you know the uh, and I don't I, I think this is right that in the comics that Mark Spector is who that is the like the base person. Yeah, right? he, he's a real he's a real person. And Stephen Grant is is that is that a thing in the comics that that persona? Uh, there was a Stephen Grant in the comics. I think I don't believe he was mild mannered. Give shop employee, or otherwise, yeah. <laughs> um, but yeah, I, I, I would just, I, I would like to believe, given Oscar Allen's talent as an actress, actor, uh, that he is doing a deliberately shit British accent because Stephen Grant isn't British and he doesn't exist. You know that he's Mark Spector, an American man, mm-hmm. and it's it, he's doing a crap British accent because the dude's not British. Yeah, and How- not an actor. However, that's also very bold for that that voice to then be the voice of your character in the trailers for your show. Yeah, which makes me think maybe it's just the voice he's doing. <laughs> <laughs> well, no, um, I mean he's that it, what, a thousand percent. You're you're right, or, or maybe I disagree a bit. That Stephen Grant is going to be real in the show, but. But as as a as a as this sort of second identity of. But what Mark I mean Spectre. is, like, it, what's his what's his what's his base personality? What's it? Who's his birth certificate? Is it? Is, was he born Mark Spector? <laughs> so, yeah, it is Mark Spector. Yeah, so an, an American yeah. man. Yeah, yeah. Um, yeah. Yes, but no, for sure. I mean, that's yeah. Like, yes, that is what it'll be. I don't think we don't. That's not. We don't need to theorize. No, no, that. that's no, surely yeah, that's, yes. that'll be the structure, right? Yeah, no. But the the, the theorizing is that. The crap accent is a deliberate choice on Oscar Isaac's part because he's not British. Whereas what it could be is that is Oscar Isaac's genuine best attempt at a London accent. <laughs> I okay, I think I see what you mean. I yeah. I, either way, it is wild that they put that in the trailer as people's entry point into Moon Knight. Moon Knight. Whether it's yeah. a feint or not, that is insane because. People are talking about nothing else. I'm in this series with Ethan <laughs> Hawke, and he's going to be a buddy who's a, a cult leader, Governor. That could be fun. You know, that should be fun. Ethan Hawke's yeah, really good. Yeah, that's. Uh, um, and there wasn't there wasn't much Ethan Hawke in the trailer. Um, I'm looking forward to when he, the when the promotional cycle really ramps up and just who's going to be the first person to ask him? Like, dude. <laughs> What's up with the voice, you man? You said. <laughs> yeah, I like the bit. I like the bit in the van. Where he kind of seems to come to and and grapple with the guy. You know, I like. I think you could see there'll be there could be some born identity stuff in there. You know, a guy who with abilities that he, on some level, you know, doesn't is not aware of. So there's some fun stuff there. Um, you could see kind of Stephen Grant, Moon, Stephen Grant, Oscar Isaac. Who's a bumbling guy talking, talking somehow to actual mercenary Mark Spector, Oscar Isaac, who's like, who is this freaking guy? And then Moon Knight also there in the mix, being this strange wild card. I'm not as set on the costume as as 
as James, it, it looks, you know, it looks weird. You know, oh, it, look, sort of, it, it definitely... looks very CGI and yeah. not not particularly good, but it's moonlight. Also, it looks know, cool. I also do wonder. I, I sort of, I do wonder how it's going to fit with the Batman. Um, you know, which I think will be taking. I think we'll we'll get to that, but we'll be taking up a lot of superhero conversation at the time, in my opinion. And I wonder, I could see whatever Moon Knight is, is with the piece that the Moon Knight character in the show, when he, you know, is a bit, a bit of a out there loose vigilante. It's like it's going to come a few weeks after we might see a, a more expensive version of that. Um, there are there are, there are you know there's that the scene at the end of the trailer where he sort of punches the guy a lot in the Moon Knight trailer. <laughs> you know, like that bit's in the in the the Batman trailer. Um, so I wonder about that, but yeah, the Oscar Isaac, the Oscar Isaac of it all. Um, I just, you know, and, and I don't think he would have. I wonder what he would have signed up to if if it was. I think there'll be something. There'll be something there. I think you don't get Oscar Isaac if there's not if you're not going to give him something. I don't know, even though it is Marvel. My hope for this Age show. of Apocalypse. <laughs> that was a different. He had diff, different cachet back then. The, uh, the majority of his Star Wars movies. <laughs> I was about to say, yeah. <laughs> he's I good think, in those. I think he's happy he's to take good a payday. He gets yeah. nothing to do in, like, in beyond being like okay. a distraction in the second movie. You're like, oh, who's first movie? Who's this really cool guy? Second movie. This guy's been a bit of a dick, but I guess we kind of like him. Uh, third movie. Where? <laughs> Who the fuck? <laughs> I, I just want to ask, just to wrap this up. Um, how long do we think it will be before we see Moon Knight in the costume in the show? I think it will be episode two, Governor. <laughs> yeah, I was thinking episode two as well. And, and another question: Do we think will this be another uh, Disney Plus show where there's some more evolved version of the costume that we see at the very end of the sixth episode? <laughs> Are we getting that moment <laughs> again? Of, of, of course, you'll see the version with the jelly deals, Governor. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> Yeah, that'd be great for watching yeah. the Oscar Isaac eating I, jelly beans. I, I want to see that actor doing that accent going face-to-face with Ray Winston doing the Russian accent. <laughs> <laughs> okay, oh uh, you mentioned the Batman. Let's move over to the Batman, which we have... Uh, it's it's coming out soon, so we don't need to talk about this for too long. But um, it's been announced that the movie is um, two hours and 55 minutes no, long. No, no, why? <laughs> did, you, did you know that? I can't, I just can't. Oh, that's good. Uh, which is, I guess that's that, I think why this seems ridiculously long is, this is the first movie in a, in a new, you know, it's not, it's not like, oh, we need to do this and we need to do this. We need to, you know, tie into these other six movies and we need to wrap up that ongoing storyline. Normally the first entry is the the tight one, but also, I mean, I, I remember when I saw the running time for Eternals and I was like, you fucking what? What are, you, what, are we, what, what are we doing here? And I know it's, I know it's kind of like, it's kind of tired old, um, like you know, people Joey. who cover movies complaining about running times is <laughs> yeah, is boring. But um, it just it, it it feels like that this is just like the the standard, like almost like two two and a half hours is acceptable for any superhero movie now. Um, and I don't I don't know how we got to quite this point. I'm not asking for them all to be ninety minutes, 
but maybe like you know maybe your comic book adaptations should be like two two hours ten max that's still a long movie 130 minutes is still a lot of screen time I think right part of the problem is that TV is getting mm. so long now like no no TV story can be told in less than 10 hours or whatever i wonder if this is genuinely part of it you know that yeah yeah i I think longer movies it's not it's not about how long you need to watch them in a cinema screen it's when this does show up on hbo max we keep you for three hours instead of two genuinely that could be a motivating factor i think i think people who make movies are watching tv and going well they have so much space and time to play with like I, I want to dig into it. I want to. I want to have the scene where they're arguing about mac and cheese for ten minutes or whatever. But I bet I, you know. I bet Zack Snyder wanted to deliver a three-hour cut of every movie he made in the DCEU, mm-hmm. and he was and he was told no. Yeah. But now you know, Matt, <laughs> rightly so. Matt Reeves hasn't been told no. Um, and I, I, I wonder if what has changed there is the existence of HBO Max. I think probably what has changed there is Avengers Endgame made all the money despite being long, and they went well. If the movie's good enough, people don't care how long yeah, the runtime Avatar, is. Avatar did that a decade ago. Yeah, but different genre, different film. I don't know. I don't know. I think. I think also there are many I factors. Think, I'm sure. Another well, another one I think is that you know you've got another you've got another fucking Batman movie coming out. <laughs> yes, yeah, different Batman, different director, but oh god, Batman again, Batman. Uh, you you know t- a small thing like three hour runtime plus um, the fact that it's I know it's PG thirteen in the US but it's got a fifteen rating here in the UK that says to people who are paying attention and you know with these with these kind of IP movies so much of the opening weekend will be will be set by the nerds the real nerds and I think some these those two details will say to those nerds hey this is hey this is different you know this is this is we want you know, we think we're trying. We're trying to distinguish this from the other ones. And here's one re- one thing: it's going to be, it's going to have a high rating. And here's another thing: it's going to be very long. Um, and just it gets people talking about how that's different to the other films. Now, whether the actual content of the film is is different at all, and it isn't just a quote unquote another fucking Batman movie, <laughs> these choices say something <laughs> about the post about now. the movie. Yeah. So I think that that's it's it's quite that's that's quite crude. Uh, sorry, not crude. Um, word I'm looking for. Uh, smart. Word for smart sounds like true. <laughs> anyway, true, 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 true. true um, and you know, and with the with the HBO Max side as a piece to it, with you know, I also think the three hours thing. It feels like oh, it, oh, it must be important, it, or it must be good. If it's three hours, it must be yeah. Because everyone good. knows movies are if they're bad are usually very short because they cut as much as possible yeah, to try and, and make kind it of good, true. But... Yeah, yeah. yeah. I mean, there, there so, is so that's some a bit, truth to it. I don't know. But, I think you know, devils in the details and the reviews and well, let's you know what's it actually going to be. If the movie is good, the running time won't matter. But just the running time on paper makes me feel exhausted. Yeah, but you know, also, what if what if Matt Reeves is like, what if he, they get the dailies at Warner's and that what they see is it blows their absolute minds, and then all of a sudden Matt Reeves has, oh, okay, he let's let's totally give Matt Reeves carte blanche on this. He's he's somehow he's figured out an interesting he's figured out how to do Batman yeah 
Yes, maybe maybe he's maybe he's done it. Let's give let's give him the keys. Yeah. Well, he can make it as long as he wants. Uh, let's move on now to uh, some quick fire casting news. Number one, James, get excited. Okay, they've cast Madame Webb. <laughs> I saw. And I saw Dakota Johnson. <laughs> I have no idea how they're going to make Madame Webb or Dakota Johnson work as a lead. <laughs> Well, no. Oh, so, ooh, ooh, that's it, a weird go to Johnson Bun. <laughs> I, I, I think that casting Dakota Johnson, who I think is still a is st- like a steadily a rising star, not like meteoric, mm-hmm. but I think is someone who has name recognition because of Fifty Shades and um, is kind of you know respected actress and like not not just in the indie realm but in studio fair um i think that it makes complete sense to bring her in and go you are the person we want to be you know the first female lead of one of our spider-man movies um the 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 part that's completely confounding is that it's a madame webb movie (laughs) <laughs> because because what because what is a Madame Web movie? Yeah, so I have theories about that, which is that Madame Web's thing is being able to see like into the future and along quote unquote the web of life or whatever. Um I think based on her previous appearances, I think actually this Madame Web movie is going to involve some kind of like Spider-Man multiverse team or something. Uh not not different versions of Spider Man, but maybe Spider Women. You know, it, I I, par- yeah, I, I partly feel like if they were going to do <laughs> if they were going to do Spider Gwen, go Spider whatever, they would put her in the headline. But if they were going to do like Aranya or Silk or you know those kind of peripheral Spider characters, you know the Julia Sil- Carpenter Spider Woman, Silver Sable, Black Cat, mm-hmm. yeah, then you know. Farming it out as a as a sort of Madame Web property could could work, but I can't imagine how you make that. Like she she's like the sage character who gives advice to the heroes. It would it just it doesn't work. It would be like having I don't know. It would be like having a Merlin solo series on BBC One. I don't know. <laughs> don't know. <laughs> <laughs> They'll never do it. <laughs> It'll never happen. It just—it feels weird to me. Like yeah. she's she's not interesting in her own right. But you know, in the in the, I'm, I feel like my my biggest Madame Web uh, uh, exposure was the Spider-Man cartoon. Yeah, where she's she's a big part of that essentially multiverse story, right? Yeah, yeah. When they did it then, and and yes, you're right. She was the sort of wise wise old crone but also she was old and you know Dakota Johnson is not an old lady and so probably what you what you what this will be is a madam web origin story um and so yeah i mean sort of i could see i could see a movie where it's Dakota Johnson discovering uh you know reality warping powers across the spider verse and zipping back and forth through dimensions confusedly you know i could i could you could see that i could see that um, and yeah, I think I mean, Dakota Johnson is. Yeah, gonna, I think we're all going to see it for the podcast. I think. <laughs> well, we're going to have to. We've signed a legally binding a contract. Um, I would, you know, I think I'm totally with Joey that um, I would buy Dakota Johnson stock. You know, if the if the Hollywood stock exchange was still a thing, I'd buy it right now. She's 
she's it felt like the, the 50 shades thing everyone left a bad taste in people's mouths but just like her co-star Jamie Dornan you know those are two those are two actors that are that are good actors and um um you know sort of similarly to Stuart and Pattinson post Twilight making interesting choices using some of their cachet to work with interesting filmmakers you know I don't, um, I, I, so, yeah. I, I, I'm going to push back on the Jamie Dornan part I still don't think he's a very very interesting actor I think he's I think he's taking more interesting swings to try and get out of the typecasting that he found himself in um but I haven't found many of them to be too successful from the <laughs> ones I've seen anyway well just do you wait until he's cast a spider pig or some shit in one of these fucking <laughs> <laughs> it's gonna happen well, it's going to happen. Hey, maybe, Here we go. Maybe, go maybe. maybe that's this role. Uh, Russell Crowe has joined the uh, Craven oh, the Hunter movie. <laughs> Russell Crowe would make a good spider spider ham. <laughs> um, so uh, Russell Crowe it, it, in the comic book realm he w- was in Man of Steel. He is going to be in Thor: Love and Thunder, um, and yeah, and now is now is joining the Craven the Hunter movie. Um, Craven the Hunter is um, is the one that's uh, that's got um, Aaron Taylor Johnson cast in the lead. Um, <sighs> so yeah, that's that's the that's this. If you'd have told me there's a movie and <laughs> with Russell Crowe and Aaron Taylor Johnson in it, and one of them's playing Craven the Hunter, <laughs> yeah, right, <laughs> right. No, but I, I don't I don't know if James agrees. I read. Um... I was reading the um, blah, 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 the uh, Nick Spencer Spider Man until I lost until I lost interest. But there's a bit there's a chunk <laughs> in that that yeah. has that's about cr- an older Craven and um, and Craven Junior, like, yeah. a, cl- a clone of himself or something. A clone right. of himself. And well, and that's yeah. the, that's the dynamic there. And I could I could I mean Russell, I'm I'm I'll, I'll go out here and say if Russell Crowe is not playing a Craven the Hunter, somebody done fucked up. <laughs> yeah, <laughs> he just. He looks like he, a guy who right. hunts people for sport, and that's just the, and that's Russell Crowe. He just, yeah, that's what he I, looks like. And I so think you're. I think you're bang on the money there, which is that, like when when Craven died in the comics, the way they got around bringing him back because they were like, no, it's a classic story. We can't bring Craven back. What they did was just introduce about six child Cravens who all tried to take <laughs> over. So the and like yeah, as Ree says. They then killed off of those child cravens, and he started to raise his own clone of himself. Great. So I think the setup there is going to be uh, Russell Crowe is old Craven, and Aaron Taylor Johnson is young Craven. Whether they're clones or related or whatever, I don't yeah, know. Sure. But I think I think that would be a good way to go about it. Fun. So JC Chandor is directing this, um, and yeah, so the, the the this this universe is happening and it's ever expanding oh, and um we, we forgot as well there is a there's a uh, there's a mystery female centric film that is being directed by olivia wilde apparently um so you know that's that, that's another thing what's happening this so, is just this is what this is is that venom was a, a, just a total fluke venom should not have been yeah good this is what they don't money. sony don't seem to realize that do <laughs> they, they don't get it don't do this right. just i don't know just do more do more of the animated stuff like focus on a do an, a spider-verse movie every year i guess but venom was a fluke venom is the exception that proves the rule and the yeah. rule is you can't do these spider-man you, you shouldn't do these spider-man characters not connected to spider-man let's, this is a crazy idea let's wait Morbius and see is, what Morbius happens is make with dr michael dollars. morbius genuinely He's gonna make 17 dollars <laughs> 
genuinely, I think Morbius is going to flop and these movies are going to disappear is what's going to happen. <laughs> no, 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 no. And this is also. I think, this I, is think, also I think Morbius might flop, but I don't think the rest of these movies will disappear. I think Morbius is flops, it? and then Craven maybe happens, and the others disappear. I like. I loved uh, the deadline head, headline of the Madame Web uh, um, news. I just thought it was so funny because it was like they picked up the P- the press release and they've used that line, which is, you know, Dakota Johnson to headline the the first female starring superhero movie in the sony spider-man universe like like no that doesn't it's like the world's tallest midget like that doesn't that shouldn't be a thing that we should care about yeah you know this is this is a half-baked this is not a universe that people are invested in people like tom hardy talking to eddie you know they like all that they like that movie they're not they don't care about this shared universe with these with these it's just no let's wait and see let's wait and see we'll wait and see I'm not going to wait and see. I'm Man and Web. I can see the future. I'm on the web of time and I can see these movies. Nobody cares. They're two two for two so far. You can't disagree. They're two for two so far. Uh, Two good movies for two good movies so far. Both starring Tom Hardy talking to a little weird voice. And that's why they're good. That's why they're good. Well, we'll see. Um, (laughs) Finally. Final bit of casting news. Um, uh, Ironheart has apparently cast Anthony Ramos in a uh, yeah. in a secret role. Nice. Um, Anthony Ramos, I, I think prob- probably based on the box office of In the Heights, probably still best known for Hamilton. Yeah. Um, he, he has the he's the dual roles in Hamilton. Isn't he? He's John Lawrence and uh, little mini Hamilton. <laughs> Philip, yeah. little mini Hamilton. <laughs> He's a little mini Hamilton. That's right. Ah, uh, yeah. Um, Muppet, if you sing any more of that, we'll have to pay money. There. So, yeah. so leave it. <laughs> that shit. Okay. Um, and then, yeah, well, was, can I just give you was the, the lead of In the Heights as well? I did love. So this is the CB. Any of you guys ever read the trash site CBR.com? <laughs> so this, the headline that they gave today for this news was so the headline is Marvel's Ironheart casts Transformers: Rise of the Beasts star in mystery role. <laughs> so for that website. He's best known for starring in oh, the uh, unreleased Transformers movie that's coming out of the year. or whatever. Uh, anyway, okay. He was in A Star Is Born as well. I think um, I think he gives a good account of himself in In the Heights, which it wasn't a movie I loved, but I think uh, did well for some people. Um, and yeah, like yeah, he he makes sense to me as someone who uh, who makes sense in the MCU. Yeah. He's and the, the story I read was was that they that they viewed or they understand this to be kind of like a Jonathan Majors as Kang in Loki type casting. So it's it might be a character that isn't necessarily an Ironheart character or an Iron Man adjacent character, but rather somebody that will sort of have a have a larger prominence in future stuff. So, yeah. but I can't. I mean, I can't think. I got absolutely no ideas of. The problem is they've because all of the main characters in the MCU have like exist already. It could just be any. It could sort of be anybody, and they just make they just make them a major character, right? Um, I don't know. What if yeah. he's Johnny Storm? I mean, that yeah. would be good. Yeah, it would be good. sure. Yeah, yeah. Right. There we go. <laughs> we've, I mean, he could be the. Trans- we've nailed it. We do, We don't know. Maybe the Fantastic Four are all gonna be Latinx. That would be fun. That would be fun. Yeah. yeah. Jimmy Smith. Bring Please. back uh, what's oh my face? God. Jessica Alba. <laughs> sure. <laughs> Jimmy Smith as Mr. Fantastic would be incredible. Okay, now who's the thing? 
Oh no, that's um, Jimmy Smith. <laughs> oh, okay. Who's Mr. Fantastic? <laughs> Benjamin Bratt. He'd be quite good. Yeah, he's already in the MCU though. Ah, that's pretty recast. <laughs> yeah, Jeremy Channet. <laughs> <laughs> okay, fun. Yeah, I can see that. Ramos, Smith, uh, Alba back. And uh, yeah, great. Yeah, Do it. great. We've yes, nailed it. Yeah. Okay, um, so that, that was the comic book movie and TV news. We'll move on now to our main oh, discussion God. of Barb Wire and Barbarella. Uh, Reese, put, put, put in some trailer magic right now. Meet the most beautiful creature of the future. Her name is Barbarella, and she makes science fiction something else. Jane Fonda is Barbarella. Barbarella is a five-star, double-rated astro-navigatrix Earth girl whose specialty is... Love! Shall I tell you what I would like? I think I know. Her top-secret mission is a real wing-dinger. Okay, so this is um, an episode I've been looking forward to for um, about a year. This is an episode that Reese has been dreading ever since he finished watching these movies. Um, so we also talk- five minutes before we started recording the first. Time, to be clear, there was not a long window of despair. Um, we're talking about Barbarella, uh, which was um, a nineteen sixty-eight movie uh, starring Jane Fonda, um, based on. James, a French comic? A French comic. The first, arguably, the first adult French comic uh, by Jean-Claude Forrest. Um, Yeah, and and so uh, directed by Roger Vadim and um, is a bit of a cult object. Um, I I had seen Barbarella before and I was, uh, I, (laughs) I reveled in watching it again. Um, and then the other film that we are pairing that within the discussion is Barbed Wire, which is a 1996 movie uh, starring Pamela Anderson, uh, Tamara Morrison. Uh, this is based on a dark horse comic of the same name, uh, directed by someone called David Hogan, and um, <laughs> and uh, is, I guess, a. a a kind of reverse cult object because it's it's like a it's one of the kind of like notorious stinkers of the late 90s you know it's it's there with steel and nick fury and that and that kind of era of scraping the barrel of of comic books for screen adaptations um and we thought we thought it'd be fun to put uh, to pair these together uh, not just because they both have Barb in the name, but that is that's that's lovely. Uh, but you know, we've got we've got a '60s comic book adaptation which is very sex and lust focused, and a '90s one that is kind of the same, or at least in its I think in its presentation is maybe maybe less so in its execution. Uh, but we thought it'd be fun to kind of like compare and contrast the two approaches in those eras. Two sex um, in in comic book movies, and 
almost as if he knew we were recording this episode, Steven Soderbergh gave an amazing quote this week where he was asked about whether he would be interested in directing a comic book movie, a superhero movie, and he was like, God, no, they don't have sex in those things. And like, <laughs> and like that's normal people have sex. That's that's one of, you know, one of the driving motivators for people in the real world is their relationships with sex. And <laughs> how could I make a real movie in these kind of, you know, like... Ster- <laughs> Sexless sex- worlds. Yeah. Sexually sterile worlds. I um, did think when I was watching these movies, is this the first time we've had, like, female nudity... In the podcast, bar Howard the Duck, which was, of course, <laughs> a, a, a duck. naked duck. Yeah, I mean, it's <laughs> it's certainly rare. No, um, Watchmen is one. Mm, yeah, um, um, male nudity in Watchmen. Yeah, I think both. I think both. Big old blue male nudity. <laughs> yeah, yeah. But yeah, I, I, I think it, it it is rare, and I think it's a I, I think it's an interesting point to spin out that discussion. For you know the 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 you know we're the three blokes in the podcast talk about this as well. I think the male gaze as it exists through these three movies, uh, through these two movies, and the superhero world we see now, which is you know um, you know dialed in on the Ubermensch, but in a very in a very sex- sexless way. So I don't yeah. know. Joe. I don't know if you you must not have heard that they're making a Madam Web movie. I don't know. <laughs> Did you miss that news? Because that's kind of the first female-led superhero of the Sony Spider-Man movies. <laughs> kind of the big news. Um, and, the, and the other thing to say I'll, is that the, both of these are weirdly been in the news recently. Kind of, you know, you have mm-hmm. you have the Pam and Tommy uh, miniseries on on Disney Plus. Yeah, and Bob um, Wire was filmed I, in that prime era, right? Right, like smack so bang in the middle. Chat, yeah, there's definitely sort of Pamela Anderson is. In, in back in the news or back in the conversation, and in fact, uh, and Pamela they... Anderson is credited as Pamela Anderson Lee in Barbed Wire. That's right. So yeah. it's firmly from that era. And you also have uh, Barbarella has been optioned, or, or they've announced a new Barbarella movie like last week, right? Right, James? Yeah. Um, yeah. Which we'll, sure, see. we'll see. We'll see sure whether it will come out, but <laughs> you know, stuff being optioned rarely leads to a movie. But it's interesting that it has been. You're such a pessimist. I think that we get the Barbarella <laughs> Cinematic Universe launches in uh, three years and you're going to get the Dildo Guy, you're going to get the fucking Positronics, <laughs> that will have its own TV series. Duran Duran. Duran Duran. So should we, should we talk about these movies one at a time to begin with and then we'll, and then we'll kind of circle back around? Yeah. Um, let's, let's go chronologically. Let's start hang with... Hang on, hang on. I want to oh. know... What we all thought about it first? Yeah, yeah, but, but, but yeah. Starting with starting with Barbarella, right? Okay, yeah. sure, yeah. yeah. So we'll start chronologically. Barbarella, nineteen sixty-eight. Um, as I said, I've seen this before. Um, I very much. I, I had a great fun time with it the first time round. Um, I slightly downgraded my letterbox rating on rewatching because the the there the really is not much plot here, and so when there is when there are no when the movie holds no surprises. It is a it is a little bit more of a trudge at times. Um, I also I I think it's really funny. I think this is one of the sexiest performances in a movie ever. Um, and I, I and I like Barbara. Oh, <laughs> <laughs> Dildorama, right? Dildorama, Dildorama. It's Dildano. Um, okay, fine. Get it right. we will we will also 
explain the Isn't plot that- because anyone who hasn't seen Barbarella and is just hearing us throw this stuff around probably thinks we're just making yeah. it up. <laughs> also, isn't Dildano, wasn't that one of the Sicario sequels? Isn't that Sicario <laughs> Day of Dildano? Dave Dildano. <laughs> <laughs> believe, believe that's correct. Correct. <laughs> Barbarella, Barbarella. Reese, you hated this, right? <laughs> I didn't, no, I didn't hate it. I didn't hate it. I was, I just was a bit bored. Um, <sighs> and, yeah, I was a bit bored and, um, yeah, I just didn't. It, I didn't engage with it. Maybe in the way it should be. I felt like, it, you know, maybe if I watch it in cinema and a bit, bit more focused on it, um, that I find more to, you know, there's more to enjoy there. Uh, I didn't. I also just sort of didn't get the, what the tone. What I felt like it was only really in. I think for me it was in the scene with, um, uh, not with Dil. Maybe it is with Dildana, right? When they have the hand sex yes. and like the, uh, the yeah, door, yeah, yeah. So and funny. that was like. At that point, I was like, "Oh, this is this is this is just a comedy," and I kind of I'm not sure I had figured that out until that scene. Really? And maybe that's me. <laughs> yeah, kind of. I, I thought I, yeah, yes. I wondered whether that it was. Is, uh... That is the scene where the comedy becomes most obvious. It is. Yeah. It is primarily a comedy, but it's also kind of like sci-fi pastiche, and it does. Yeah, have also, like... there there are a lot of quite violent scenes of like blood <laughs> prior to that. <laughs> Yeah, but that scene was really funny, really weird. I think you could you could basically cut you could probably take that scene out and like put it in a movie today with where everything basically happens the same way and like it would play and it would be funny and and so I was kind of back I was sort of in from that point but then then it gets a bit more weird I think, and then I, the... I think that's ironically the 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 point where the movie slows down for about 20 minutes <laughs> after that. Yeah. After that, yes, yeah. Um, but yeah, I, 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 this is gonna, this is like lazy podcaster of me. But I just don't, I just sort of don't really have much, much many thoughts about. But I got, I've almost got more. I've got more to say about Barb Wire. I, well, I we'll get there, James. Yeah, James, um, you, you give me your thoughts on Barbarella. So when I, after I, I've, I've been trying to find an excuse to watch Barbarella for a long time, and I've always been thinking, well, I'll save it until we get to it on the podcast. Or until I can see it in the cinema. Um, and I didn't, I knew almost nothing about it, but sort of what you absorb from pop culture, like sometimes people will say, oh, you know, they'll use Barbara as a nickname or, or reference the fact that it's quite porny. But I knew almost nothing about the movie. And so, when, you say, when you say porny, it's, it's softcore. Yeah, yeah. Yeah. But I, it's actually, so, there's actually not a huge amount of nudity in it. A surprisingly in, in, small in amount, either, considering the reputation. Yeah, yeah, in either of these movies, really. Yeah. And again, mm. I think Barb Wire is mm. a bit worse in that regard. But again, we'll get to it. Um, mm. So I, you know, I sat down to watch it with my girlfriend, and we both had just an incredible time with mm. how fucking brilliant it was. <laughs> Yeah, I, like, I I I went onto Letterboxd and it, it has a three star average rating, and I can understand hating this movie, and I can understand loving this movie. What I cannot understand is someone who goes, "Oh yeah, that was a three star effort." That is insane. But James, you've literally just do you understand what an average is? No, no, no. Three. It's <laughs> the it's a modal average. It's not a mean average. Get it right. <laughs> oh, okay, okay. But, <laughs> I. I... Uh, so I always think I always think there's two there's two types of three star movie. There's a three star movie where you're like, yeah, 
fine. That was the, I, I I didn't I didn't love or hate anything about that. Or there's the three star movie where you're like, oh my god, plus points for this, negative points for this. I guess <laughs> I guess it ends up in the middle. Uh, but, but but I don't know how we got there. Um, as, far, as far as I'm concerned, this is a five star movie. There's not a single thing that this movie is trying to do, which it succeeds in doing completely. But also, every every part of it has been deliberately considered. It is aesthetically complete mm. and I mean, total nonsense. And I by, fucking loved it. And by aesthetically complete, we of course mean uh, the, no. There's so much fucking like perspex. <laughs> <laughs> Every every set seems to be made out of perspex. Mm. <laughs> um, and yes, and also Jane Fonda. So uh, to, to give our listeners who haven't seen Barbarella a bit of a, a quick whistle stop through the plot. So uh, we are at an unspecified point, uh, unspecified point in the future. Uh, Barbarella is just floating around in zero g, casually taking off her. Um, Spacesuit off her spacesuit with with like very kind of like portentous sci-fi music. She has these kind of like umbilical cords attached to attached to the suit, and um, it it's, it seems all seems very serious. And then her hand pops out, and oh, what what are these perfectly manicured nails? And and what <laughs> it's a lady. Is, is this is this a lady? Uh, and, <laughs> a space lady. And then the music goes. <laughs> and we go, uh, suddenly we're all sexy. Um, Jane Fonda is floating around in zero G, um, nude, but kind of half covered by some of the letter- letters in the credits, but kind of not. And so we get we get kind of a very naked introduction to Jane Fonda um, as Barbarella, who um, is then called by the president of Earth, um, and the president of <laughs> Earth, the title. Right. The president of Earth is like, "Hey, uh, we need you to uh, to retrieve this scientist called Doctor Durand Durand, um, who is this very handsome scientist uh, who has uh, invented this uh, incredible laser weapon called the Positronic Ray, uh, which, <laughs> if it falls into the wrong hands, can mean disaster for the universe because the universe has reached this point of like no violence except the only worlds that." Barbarella ever interacts with during the course of the movie <laughs> are, are filled with violence. Um, so she goes off to try and find Durand Durand and basically every 10 minutes she will kind of crash somewhere and be apprehended. <laughs> and there swap will, outfits. There will, well, there will be... Yeah, s- get there, naked. There will, there will be some <laughs> confrontation which will lead to her outfit being depleted in some way um <laughs> she will then uh, get dressed uh, o- often have sex and then uh, and then carry on to the to the kind of like the next the next episode of the serial um yeah. we're not we're not seeing sex scenes the only sex scene we ever see is the one that reese referenced where they're they're having sex in the earth method which is where you Take pills and then put your hands next to each other. And... It's a bit. Um, it's a bit demolition man. Yes. Mm. Yes. Absolutely. Mm. Um, and uh, and uh, but she is also introduced to the ways of lovemaking uh, during the course to the ways of traditional lovemaking during the course of the film, um, and um, eventually goes and finds Duran Duran, who is 
on this kind of like space stationy place where there is a uh, the, there is a what's what's the name of the t- the dark tyrant is it the the yes. yeah the dark tyrant the dark tyrant who's ruling who's ruling over this place where she suspects that Duran Duran is and eventually she encounters him and um is initially able to overpower him because she is too strong for the sex machine. She is <laughs> the, too, sex, the sex, the piano. sex, the sex, the sex, the yeah, the big sex piano that she gets put into, which, <laughs> which is basically Duran Duran is designed to give like such intense pleasure that it will kill her. Um, she gives the machine too much pleasure and it overloads. <laughs> <laughs> explodes. Yeah, um, I, I, that's arguably the other. That's the that's the more dramatic sex scene than the one the hand to hand stuff with Vildano. Um, that's like, <laughs> and because you, you just see you just see Jane Fonda like covered in sweat, naked in the middle of this. It's not even piano. It's like an organ kind of. Yeah, thing. yeah, it's yeah, all yeah. These, Like tubes going up, and the music is. You can kind of hear the music, but you can sort of kind of kind of kind of can't. And you just see her head sort of bobbing from side to side. And Riving, then yeah, sweating, so we say, we say naked. You can only see her shoulders and her head. Yeah, no, it's right. That's, yeah, it's yeah. not. Yes, but. And most of the time you can only see her shoulders and her head. Yeah. It's a very attractive shoulders and head, so your brain fills in the gaps. <laughs> so yeah, you have all of these like incredibly designed costumes, which Jane Fonda looks fantastic in. And, and, and I... I I don't want this podcast to come off sounding too pervy, but I did because I I do think that there is there is value in discussing this, and I think that the attractiveness of movie stars is hopefully something that I am fairly hmm. equal opportunities about on this podcast. Um, you know that I can admire Chris Hemsworth's biceps as much as I can admire Jane Fonda in this, um, but like and 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 it is a it's a it's a component of cinema we choose to sit in front of a screen and look at pe- uh, often beautiful people and mm-hmm. the fact that they're beautiful is often an appeal and i and and i think that this is this is a movie that is you know literally weaponizing sex and it's it's a really important factor of this movie um but yeah but but the costumes that jane fonda is in are often like there's one where there is like one of her boobs is cut out and there is like a plastic mold that has a nipple mm-hmm. around, but there isn't any nudity there. It's just implied breast. And actually the movie kind of gets its nudity out of the way in the first two minutes. And then just everything after then is just real intense innuendo. Yeah. And like, I think yeah. there's a lot of like proper eroticism in the film in in the way it's shot and you know in the way the story goes and the way it's designed you almost never see anything that wouldn't that you know that would bump its rating up too much it's all implied and innuendo yeah i mean the 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 dildano scene and the sex machine scene whilst whilst being played for you know comedic effect are, are also erotic you know somehow they're kind of there, yes, there's a, there's a sexual tension in the scenes, both between the characters, but also between the movie and the audience, whilst also it being silly and funny. So it's there's a lot going on in in yes in in in, in those sequences, definitely. And you know, also within the the male cast here, um, you've got you know the, 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 they are there to be. Ogle that occasionally as well. I think um, you have obviously got Pygar, 
uh, who <laughs> is... walks around in a towel, basically. Yeah, he's an angel. He's blonde-haired, um, chiseled, chiseled torso, and... His torso uh, looked like a fucking washboard. I was like, what the hell? <laughs> <laughs> um, Duran Duran, the joke there is that uh, Barbarella, basically, the, the tease at the start of the movie is like, it's mentioned that by the president of Earth that he's handsome, and Barbarella's like, oh yeah, I wonder. And 25, right? And 25, yeah, oh, yeah, yeah. I, wonder, I yeah. wonder if I'll be able to recognize him. Um, and then she turns up and he's been rapidly aged by his, uh, by, by his, uh, his, by his devotion to the uh, vice and hatred yeah. um, of, of Mathmos, the living pool of energy liquid that lives beneath the city. We've got, um, we've got David Hemmings as Dildano. And I, I, I don't know, David, David Hemmings isn't my type, but um, he was, you know, former teen idol. Uh, he is, um, he's in Blow Up, where he's playing mm. kind of, you know, a, a, a very sexually desirable character in that as well. Um, and, oh, and then we've got Anita Pallenberg, who is the... Um, she is, you know, kind of model it girl of the sixties. Was was like known as the muse of the Rolling Stones. I think date, dated multiple members of the Stones. Um, had children with Keith Richards. Uh, she plays, yeah, the the, the Black Queen, Dark Tyrant mm. of, of this place. Um, Marcel Marceau, the famous mime, turns in his, up in his first speaking role. Yeah. He's yeah. what? He's Professor Ping, you know, like the little the, the... Oh, he was fun. Yeah. yeah. Um and then I'm I I can't remember the character name. Is it is this um Hand, the the kind of very hairy bear man that she encounters? <laughs> the guy, the the guy who is wearing a bunch of furs and then disrobes to reveal a body that is that, basically entirely fair. I laughed out loud at that. I'd, I'd Me too. That I was like, oh, so Barbara, this is when Barbarella has been first uh, introduced to the idea of traditional sex and lovemaking. He, he's helped her out, and she's like, look, is there anything you, I can do for you? Literally anything. He's like, I'd love to make love to you. Um, and yeah, he's this big fur man, and then he takes off he takes off these these bear furs, and under and underneath is this just rug <laughs> on his chest. Um, I, yeah, and I I, I cackled. <laughs> I mean, that's the kind of comedy that's in there. Like, it's really kitsch and bawdy, bawdy. Yeah, like mm. it, it has a similar tone it's not quite carry on level but you know the the sort of knowing aspect of it reminded me of those those movies and to an extent the the 66 batman movie like it's fully in that of just being aware of how ridiculous it is and just having nothing but fun with the idea and i think it's got this you know like veneer of respectability to it because it's got Jane Fonda in the center of it. Mm-hmm. And, you know, this is, you know, this is obviously early career um, Jane Fonda, but, you know, this is, a, you know, her two big credits following this are They Shoot Horses, Don't They? and Clue. You know, she'd already done Cat Baloo and Barefoot in the Park and Spirits of the Dead. So, you know, she's, she's, she, she's not, she's not just like this is this is like her first 
film role and she's getting her tits out and she won't have to do that again later in her career. Um, mm. And and I, and I think she she is this really steadying presence in the middle of the in, in the middle of the film uh, that keeps you with it through the nonsense because the because the plot is nonsense. Um, but you know, I, I I kind of this also reminded me a little bit of, um, but in a, in a much better way, it's a movie that I don't really get on with. George Lucas's THX. Is it eleven thirty eight? One three eight, yeah, yeah. Which is which is this this yeah like completely desireless society and George Lucas making this very uh, heavy handed metaphor about you know removing removing love and emotion from the world and where that leads. Mm-hmm. Um, but it, it's got that similar kind of perspexy sci fi look to it. Yeah, I think. Logan Logan's Run was the other film I thought of when I was watching this. Mm. I haven't seen Logan's Run actually. Okay, but, yeah, yeah. similar. Sim- I'm, I'm aware of the, the the conceit anyway, but yeah. Um, one, one film, one film I thought about, especially in the, which, uh, literally just the opening sequence when she's floating in the, um, in in zero G was. I was like, I wonder when two thousand and one came mm. out versus this. <laughs> and then I looked it up. Same I did look it up and. They, Yes, like 2001 comes out in April and Barbarella comes out in um, in October of the same year. So just the the idea that you, you know <laughs> you go see you go see 2001 in, in in April and then six months and which which basically like just redefines the genre and then you and then six months later you go into Barbarella and you see what what might have felt like the the past way of doing a movie like this. And not you no know, not that it not that it doesn't have uh, it doesn't have a place that the, the tone of it and, and, and such, but um, I just thought that was interesting. <laughs> the uh, and Reese on on that point, uh, and this is just real surface level, but I'm reading from the reception section of the Wikipedia, and the final quote from one of the critics at the time, uh, who uh, starts off: uh, "There's real fascination in its basic idea, which is a happy belief in the survival of sexuality." The idea fascinates, but the execution somehow disappoints. In the year that uh, Stanley Kubrick and Frank, Franklin Schaffner mm. finally elevated the science fiction movie beyond the abyss of the kiddie show, Roger Vadim has knocked it right back down. <laughs> I think that's unfair. I think going back to it, like... No, I, I, but that's exactly the sort... You could exactly see that review written at the time when... Yeah, when yeah, yeah. You, Do you know what I mean? Like, now, you, now we can step back and actually... Barbarella would fit in the lineage of stuff like, um, oh goodness, you know, sort of in some ways, you know, some Star Wars in there. I mean, that sounds wild, but you know, just the kind of oh, yeah, the realization yeah. of such a non, such um, such strange ideas, all the strange language. Mm. Barbarella is playing it more for jokes, but but the the kind of um, the uh, the commitment to the bit with the movie of like, yeah, we're gonna. We're going to make the sex machine. We're going to we're going to use all this sort of just re- these ridiculous terminology. And part of that, I guess, is is it's the sixties and like sort of sh- everyone's high on drugs, or high on you know LSD and like hey man, well, like the, the, the psychedelia, movies, the, the, the psychedelia yeah, the of it yeah. is like a, a big was a big part of culture then, right? And mm. you know, part of, a lot of you see it in comics as well, like people are trying to replicate the experience of psychoactive mm. drugs right. in their artwork, like. That's clearly a massive influence on this film. Sure. Yeah. Um, I, the other the other point I was going to make was that you bring up uh, Roger Vadim in that quote, who's the director. You know, I think it's interesting, and maybe we can get onto this when we talk about Barbed Wire. But but yes, obviously that's a male director. Barbed Wire is directed by a man as well. 
but Roger Vadim was was married to Jane Fonda, um, married to him, sorry, married to her, you know, in the from sixty five to seventy three. So when this movie is being concepted and made and released, like, so I think that that not that not that that uh, is an excuse for some of the male gayness of it, but puts I think puts into context and, and maybe it's part of why Fonda seems so at so ease kind of game and confident mm. and yeah, yeah at ease right she's she's she feels like she's in trustworthy hands now the 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 the, the, the marriage ended so I don't know if that was acrimonious or whatever but but it seems like at the time with her husband making them this movie and saying get you know get your kit off and spin around she feels she feels like she's she's happy to do that and that's part of that's I think if it if it felt like she was being manipulated more or um, exploited more in those ways, it, it would probably the movie would feel different. I, do, I and I I think it's interesting what you said there about the male gaze. I because this to me feels like the the film of the two that is that is less purely male gaze because I, I and I, I think that Barbarella is a stronger lead character. Um, <laughs> yeah. I I I think that she you know I think her attractiveness makes it seem that way. It'd be really interesting to hear from any female listeners if we have any um, who <laughs> uh, who who uh, who have seen this movie and 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 you know kind of have any affection for it or do just see it as like an excuse to ogle Jane Fonda for ninety minutes. But like I said, there, there is. There is these attractive men, you know, that 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 are there as you know. Pygar is purely a lust object. Like he, he doesn't. <laughs> yeah, he's barely got a personality. He, well, he, yeah, he doesn't have a personality, and he's just like the end of the movie is like the 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 angel and the devil. The, well, the angel with the devil on one side and Jane Fonda on the other, like just yeah. literally going like. We badly want to fuck this guy. <laughs> you know, both, 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 <laughs> yeah, both, both of us. Want, us yeah. Both of us want to fuck this guy. Well, this is so. This is something yeah. I was gonna. I was gonna say actually is that I think where we'll get to barbed wire and how it approaches sexuality generally. But I think this movie, uh, Barbarella, feels more influenced by like the free love movement because it's just about people having sex with each other like openly and without emotional investment and broadly speaking it's done in a sort of non-predatory way like it it doesn't feel like Barbara is a victim of the sexual interest that she's got no it's more more that she is kind of no, like lib- liberated by it yeah exactly and just, also yeah, sex, sexual liberation rather than yeah even even the guy who's like oh i just did a nice thing for you maybe you, you want to have sex with me that would be a nice thing for you to do to me it doesn't feel like he's being no like, he's very up, he's very upfront this yeah, is and he's I not being like. forceful and he's not being coercive he's just saying i would like to do this how about it Cool, yeah, cool, cool if you don't want to do this, but this is what I would like. And also, yeah. I mean, you'd get something out of it as well. Yeah, exactly. Um, and also, all the, you know, all the men in the movie are, are sort of, like, dumb. And, like, she, like she's the, and she obviously, she obviously, she's obviously the protagonist, but also she's just, like, clearly kind of better than everybody else in the movie <laughs> in a lot of ways. So all the, I'm not including all of the men that she, that she does sleep with. So that's from the Mike Hand guy, who's some, like, sort of backwater 
scourge, scourge, the asker, scavenger to to Pygar, who's beautiful, but he's like a blind, dumb angel. Mm. Um, to the even Jaran Jaran's an idiot. <laughs> yeah, he's a complete idiot, and Dildano is the, is the it's most Dildano, <laughs> and, and he's he's more he's sweet, he's sort of sweet natured, and you know, and also I think that it probably helps with that sequence that the sex is is the is in the in, in, in you know in the story of the movie it's sort of it's not uh it's just sort of hand hand stuff if you will so <laughs> just, I, yeah, he's, he's, a, du- he's a dummy there's, yeah, he's there's a also dummy. a great joke and, uh, in the a great gag in that in that sequence where oh, the hair, well, the hair? Well, she finishes her her yes. hair goes, <laughs> yeah, yeah, she finishes yeah. and then she kind of looks back at him and he's still there kind of <laughs> yeah, like so. Switching on his own in his, <laughs> yeah, in his, in his kind hilarious. of you know, weird vinegar strokes, and she's like, "Oh, sorry, yeah, yeah." yeah then let me finish. <laughs> she, yeah, just, yeah. she just kind of like twiddles her thumbs while she waits for him to finish. That that scene, I think, is the strongest of the like that one. Like yeah, Reese was saying sure. earlier, that's like the closest to being an actual scene from a movie. Like just mm. from the moment she turns up and he's like trying to show her on his map about the the escape hatches they have all over the city and like. It won't light up, and their their tube isn't working later on. The invis and the invisible, the invisible the key, key, the key that's is invisible. But then the invisible key <laughs> actually, actually isn't there. <laughs> Just like this whole sort of inept, underfunded attempt mm. at revolution. <laughs> okay. I just found everything about that scene. I was dying with laughter. I thought it was yeah, so funny. Yeah, I was laughing loads. Yeah, it was great. Yeah, we'd watch a whole movie about Dilda. Although <laughs> he does meet. Um, a disappointing end later on in the movie. Yeah, when the the positronic ray is yeah. unleashed and everyone, including Delano, is just wiped <laughs> out, right. and no one seems to care. <laughs> <laughs> uh, I mean, that's part of the the movie as well. Is that there's just trying to trying to get much out of the plot or the story is utterly ridiculous because it's just not interested in that. It's yeah, purely it's, it's purely more... about vibes. It's more, and it's more what you want to read into it afterwards. Like I liked the idea that ultimately Barbarella and the 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 Dark Tyrant team up at the end to take down. Yeah, yeah. End. Um, and and also her 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 entire attitude to and everyone in this movie very clearly dubbed over after the fact, whether yeah. with, with their own voices or someone else's. Um, but uh, yeah, I love it when she sees Barbarella for the first time and calls her pretty, pretty, and then pretty, pretty. And yeah. what she calls her every time she sees her, um, and at, at the, at the the kind of the way that she looks at Barbarella of like, like, oh, are you the fairest of them all? Like, hmm. Hmm. that there is this, there is this kind of Snow White vibe there, but that they end up teaming up, um, and everyone else is. They end up teaming up, and I can only imagine after the credits roll, they both fuck the huntsman, you know? <laughs> um, and there's also a... It do, it's not, it doesn't look, you know, for the for the knowing it's 1968, it, it doesn't look like a cheap movie. It's... There is a... I mean, I know you said there's a lot of the, a lot of the sets are made from... Um, Perspex. Uh, Perspex, yeah. Perspex. So, sure, fair enough. But there's a lot they of are, sets, they look there's good. a lot of costumes, there's... They look good. I was just looking out, and you know, Wikipedia budget. Wikipedia budget. You can trust it if you will. But it has Barbarella budget as four to nine million, and two thousand and one cost ten million. So you're like, you're looking at again. It's that kind of. It reminds me a bit of something like a, like a Jupiter ascending, um, where where you have to you have to appreciate the commitment to the nonsense. You know, sort of aside from some of the sexual some of the sexual stuff we're talking about, but just the kind of 
the decision of Fonda and, and her husband to adapt this French graphic novel and to like get that money because Fonda's a star, I guess, and to and to really go for it. And then to kind of, the, and then the tone of it and all of the sexual politics, it's, it's, I don't think I've ever seen it, you know, I don't think you've, I don't think you've ever seen a film that's that's much like it. It feels very, uh, very singular, and you have to you do have to kind of respect that. In um, fact, one yeah. of the things you know, having known about this film for decades and finally getting to watch it, one of the things that surprised me was that I sort of didn't know more about what was in it. Like sometimes you go and you watch a Hitchcock movie, and you're just like, oh, I suddenly understand fifty different visual references that I didn't before that I've seen in every other film, but like mm, mm. there was nothing in Barbarella that made me go, Oh, okay. I saw that turn up again. Like the closest I can get was, like I said, maybe the, you know, the technological helmet sex in demolition men. Flash, Flash um, Gordon, I, I think has Barbarella vibes a little bit. Yeah. But it sort of it quickly, again, it's just vibes. It's not like Master visual references. Like it mm. just, I don't know. It feels, it feels too, too unique and too of mm. itself for anyone to say, well, I'm going to do a tamer version of that in my movie. Hmm. I, I, I'm just remembering as well, because I think we, we will move over to Barbed Wire, but um, I need to get this out of my brain. The other movie that it really reminds me of in terms of like that tongue-in-cheek, very knowing, late 60s um sexual revolution kind of stuff is beyond the valley of the dolls which mm. i don't know if, if i don't know if mm. anyone has seen but well, well, yeah um, which roger ebert co-scripted and was a sequel to a very straight-faced like um morality drama in yeah, yeah. valley mm. of the dolls and uh-huh. yeah I, I think that this has got similar vibes but this is a little bit more pleasant there's a there's a nasty street to be on the valley of the dolls yeah the 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 film I kept thinking of when I was watching this was uh, Sleeper, the Woody Allen mm, one. Yeah, which again, you know, similar similar approach to sexual politics, um, and similar weird orgasm machines. I thought I thought about Spaceballs, <laughs> in terms of like out and out sort of space set comedies from. I mean, it's not really it's not the same era, but. You know, they, they but just being camp, I guess they, like the, the camp, yeah, yes, approach camp. to sci fi, yeah. And these days, you know, the, the truth is, you, you would you would not sort of sexual stuff aside, you just wouldn't you wouldn't get the equivalent budget of a Barbarella today to make a, an out and out or, or a, a very silly comedy with, with, with a very comedic tone today. Music.
One size fits all seemed like a good idea for clothes. Nice dress. Uh, it's a it's a t-shirt. Until you tried it on. Same goes for your healthcare. That's why United Healthcare offers a variety of flexible, budget-friendly coverage for medical, vision, dental, and more. So whether you're between jobs, coming off a parent's plan, or even missed open enrollment, you can find the plan that fits you best. Find out more about United Healthcare coverage at uh1.com. That's uh1.com. I'm Sandra, and I'm just the professional your small business was looking for. But you didn't hire me because you didn't use LinkedIn Jobs. LinkedIn has professionals you can't find anywhere else, including those who aren't actively looking for a new job but might be open to the perfect role, like me. In a given month, over 70% of LinkedIn users don't visit other leading job sites. So if you're not looking on LinkedIn, you'll miss out on great candidates like Sandra. Start hiring professionals like a professional. Post your free job on linkedin.com slash achieve today. Hold up. What was that? Boring. No flavor. That was as bad as those leftovers you ate all week. Kiki Palmer here. And it's time to say hello to something fresh and guilt-free. Hello, fresh. Jazz up dinner with pecan-crusted chicken or garlic butter shrimp scampi. Now that's music to my mouth. Hello, Fresh. Let's get this dinner party started. Discover all the delicious possibilities at HelloFresh.com. Um, shall we move seamlessly over to barbed wire? <laughs> you said. <laughs> you said you would explain what happened. Okay, oh. listeners, uh, peek behind the curtain. Uh, we uh, recorded the first half of this discussion a full week ago, um, but my. Uh, my child woke up and I had to go and attend her. And the first time that we could get back together to finish off the recording of this episode is is now a week later. So and the, the good thing about barbed wire is that it really lingers in the memory. <laughs> <laughs> uh, but we did manage to we we did manage to get to the end of that um, that Barbarella discussion. We'll, we'll we'll tie it all back together at the end. Um, we will. Okay. Yeah. Sure. Uh, but now we're gonna we're gonna talk about uh, barbed wire, which, as we said at the start of this episode. Um, when it was a little bit more timely. Uh, we, we wanted to talk about, partly because, you know, Pammy and Tommy was coming out this week and um, and it, it felt like an interesting counterbalance to Barbarella, not just because they both have Barb in their names, but they are these kind of like sex-driven comic book adaptations three decades apart. Now... I think we should start with the the thing that is that the two movies have most in common, which is they both open on an extended sequence of the movie leering at its blonde star in in a state of undress. So, but weirdly, both of these two sex comedies, both sex sexy comic book adaptations front load their nudity in the in the first scene and i got i got a real sense of the of the kind of pre-credit sequence in barbed wire being something that the studio had gone can we give her another million dollars and get her back in to shoot a nude scene to put the start of the movie and she'll just be stripping i guess she can be stripping and someone is aiming a fire hose at her as she strips (laughs) It is that sequence is a bit like we know what you came to this movie for. Yeah, you kind of expect are we gonna we'll, we'll get like a sex scene forty minutes in, not just boom boobs. 
Right, okay. And now that you've had those, boring movie <laughs> for, for the remaining 80, 90 minutes. <laughs> I mean, the thing that the thing that I found interesting is that in Barbarella, like, it's, it's front-loaded, and then actually the rest of the movie is just sort of mostly cheeky without actual nudity in it. it, it Whereas it, Barbed Wire has a lot of toplessness all the way through. Oh, wait, does it? It has it has more moments of toplessness. <laughs> I don't remember any of them. <laughs> so I just wiped them from my mind. I, I genuinely thought that was the only time she's topless in the movie. I mean, she's obviously wet. Her boobs are front and centre, obviously, figuratively figuratively and literally um but i, I yeah I, I don't remember the there, rest of there the are a couple scene. of bits where she gets changed and you can you know see everything there's some okay. bits where she's in the bath and she stands can I, up my, can i give you guys my eyes might have been drifting to my phone quite a bit during barbara <laughs> can i give you guys a, a wild take my wild take on these on the the comparison between these two movies shit sure <laughs> here it is that in Barbarella, the nudity and the and the sort of titillation um, around the, the Jane Fonda's character is so much about the audience and the male director, obviously her husband at the time, right? And I, my take is that in Bar in Barbwire, the nudity is it's always in the in in the text. It's always she's always using it for her own aims, uh, and even though. You know, you'd argue that the sort of um, it's still very, it's obviously still very male gazy, uh, the way it's sort of shot. Um, I, 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 that's I disagree with you, by the way, that Barbarella okay. that Barbarella is male gazy. Okay, well, I guess maybe what I what I mean is that I think that all the nude scenes in Barbed Wire, she is she, the character of Barbed Wire in the scene is using the nudity for her own ends. Yeah. And I'm, I, I, I didn't see the same in Barbara, which I watched second um, so, context. Uh, yeah, I, I, I think that's fair. I would say I think that Barb Wire is using the... Se- yeah, that, that she's using nudity and sexuality as a means to an end as this kind of, you know, sexy... What is it? What even is she? Like... She's a... <laughs> She's an entrepreneur. She's an entrepreneur. Kind of former special forces <laughs> badass. Yeah, she's a, she's a former soldier who owns a bar and also moonlights as a bounty hunter. Like a yeah. bounty she's bounty she's bounty a bar hunter. owner slash bounty hunter. That's exactly yeah. what she is. She's cool. She's a bar hunter. And, um, um, and I, whereas I think Barbarella, the sex and the titillation is more thematic because the whole thing is about right. That's like, fair. That's fair. Yeah. What? We, so yeah, it's not. It's not that I think the sex is something that Barbarella is like given a huge amount of agency with. It's like men come to her and want to have sexual encounters with her. But I also think in both movies, the power, ba- the balance of power is with the sure. woman at all times. But if you, con- if you contrast the opening scenes of the two films, right? In Barbarella, you have, we sort of discussed it in the first half of the episode slash a week ago, you know, <laughs> sort of Barbarella is, uh, you know, it's almost a bit of a gag. It's sort of who's in the space suit, a beautiful lady, she's naked. Hey, it's naked Joe Fonda. Yeah, great. And, you know, from there, uh, that's what that, that's what's happening in that scene. And the camera is, is, just sort of showing you you know she doesn't the nudity is it's quite it's sort of arbitrary it's perfunctory it's it's but it's put there to you know for the audience whereas in Mm -hmm. barbed wire 
the scene is, and it's I, it was very it's very provocative for the listeners who haven't seen Barbed Wire, and you know that would be probably a hundred percent of the audience. You know the I'm not even sure that you guys did it justice. It's sort of this it's slow mo. There's some kind of new metal or sort of sort of early pop pump pop pop punk track playing, and there's all this water, and she's she's sort of in a in a in a corset or in a top, but her boobs are kind of you know fully kind of popping out. She's covered in water. She's stripping, and so it's quite a. I think I was, I, you know, watched it thinking, oh, oh my god, what is this going to be? It's very then, porny. It's very porny, exactly. It's mm. so porny. But then, as the scene develops, basically, she's kind of gone undercover as a mercenary at the strip club, and then she, uh, you know, takes out the bounty or etc. You know, and then you, you know, and then it's put that scene is put into context that it was she was sort of she was bait. She was luring those men into her orbit, and then she she does her mission. And then, and then I just kind of think that the the nudity, her nudity, is treated in that same way for the whole for the rest of the movie. You know, there's that scene, James, where she's getting changed in front of I can't remember who's the who's the cop, who's the chief of police guy. What's his name? God, the other name. <laughs> name. Um, yeah, it's the chief of police. You guy. asked, you asked yeah, me a lot. <laughs> that guy, you know, that, the, the, he's a big actor. God, I can't. It's, I mean, it was Rico now, but anyway, no, that sequence is, is all about. The, you know, the you Zan, is that is it the Xander Berkeley character? Yes, yes. Yeah. I guess maybe not a huge he's name, but anyway, Alexander Willis. <laughs> sure, that sequence where you again you see her. You know, it's, the, the film is not hiding her. Pam Anderson's, you know, really full nudity from you. But the sequence is all about how she's trying to manipulate Xander Berkeley's character, uh, who has the power in the, in you know, in the society of the of the film. She uses her nudity to manipulate him to get what she wants. Um, and again, I, yeah, I just find that an interesting. You know, the movie is is the. I, I didn't love Barbarella, but but and I think this is probably a poorly, um, um, you know, um, uh, definitely a worse film, you know, probably definitely. But I I, I found I did find them very contrasting in terms of how they how the nudity uh, of the two I female mean, leads was you and interesting in its contrast. I think you're being very generous to barbed wire. Cause like, while yeah, you can argue that she's got the agency in these scenes and that it's the nudity is done with a purpose. It's still done at the audience. Like it's, it's there for us, not for the characters more than anything. Um, yeah. That I, opening sequence especially is, you can say, yeah, you know, it, you pull back and reveal it has a point. There's there's some reasoning to it, but it is also like two and a half minutes of just tits at the camera. Because I I think they do a good job, or the 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 one thing the movie does a good job at, which I I do think is at, at like an insanely boring '90s action movie for the most part. Um, but I think it it does a good job. I don't think Pamela Anderson is fine. She's clearly not an actress, but I think she, you know, she she does her job here of in in terms of what you need from Barbara Wire, and that's a character who I don't think she's ever really underestimated in the movie. So it's not like people underestimate her because of her looks, but she is she is able to use the facts that everyone's lusting after her as a means to achieve her goals. However, what that, what that also gives the movie to do, it gives the movie an opportunity to do is present her in all of those ways that will just have the audience lusting after her. Like of, of the two scenes of those two opening scenes, I kind of like, 
I, I kind of feel like the the opening scene of Barbarella is a tone setter where it's like this is going to be cheeky, this is going to be a little bit titillating, it's it's going to be you know kind of fun, sexy sci-fi. Whereas I feel like the purpose of the opening scene of Barbed Wire is when a 13-year-old manages to rent to rent the VHS of this in the mid-90s, they're going to be able to jerk off in the first 30 seconds, right? Like they've got, they, they've already got their money's worth. I, and, and, and I think that, yeah, I, I kind of agree with James that I think like textually, I think the movie does absolutely what you're saying, Reese. but I think metatextually as an audience member, they are excuses to get her to get her naked, um, but so I, this is I, maybe okay. But it, it might it it might be that I I am giving this movie less rope for that kind of stuff because you know I do think there are, there are so many so many times in Barbarella where it's like this setup exists to make Jane Fonda look gorgeous, right? To make you think, oh my god, Barbarella is so sexy. And this movie, I think, is probably doing that with barbed wire as well. But I'm so bored by the stuff that's surrounding it, which really is like super, super generic, low budget '90s action. That I, that I, I'm probably not giving it the rope that I'm giving Barbarella in the moment. Well, and also the, the what Barbarella has on its side, and that this is this is a choice from the you know from the filmmakers is that Barbarella is a is a comedy, so kind of. You can you can get away with some more of that stuff because you're broadly playing things for laughs. Whereas Barbed Wire is not a comedy; it's trying to be a, as you said, kind of a sort of a serious '90s sci-fi action. And so, therefore, I think it's it's sort of it's right for 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 us to not for us, but you know, for anybody to to then scrutinize scrutinize it more. Whereas Barbara, like, oh, it's this scene was funny, so you know. That's it's a comedy movie, or or you know mm. broadly it's a comedy movie. This was a funny scene. There we go. Fine, we move on. Um, yeah, and Barb, Barb Wire doesn't have as much, uh, doesn't have those locations to to hide necessarily. The, the thing I find interesting about like Barbarella versus Barb Wire is that Barb Wire had a female co-writer, and you can really you can get a sense of that in the way the character has agency and in the way she's treated like an equal like you can you can look at that movie and go oh yeah i can i can see that actually there is a woman's perspective coming out of this but also it's sort of difficult that the film seems to exist as an excuse to get like Pamela Anderson at the height of her fame just to take her clothes off. And, like no amount of manipulating the story can can really fix that problem with the film. Should we hmm. talk about Pamela Anderson's career at this point then? So as you say, it is kind of height of her fame. Uh, she is... So this, this movie comes out in 96. 97 is when her run on Baywatch ends. So she's four years into her five-year tenure on Baywatch at that point. And this is when Baywatch was the most watched TV show in the world, right? Yeah, and then and then she doesn't, you know, she doesn't really go on to have a very significant screen career. I I I I, I don't know, maybe maybe one day we'll get onto Stripperella, guys, the mm-hmm. Stanley <laughs> animated series where Pamela Anderson voices the lead character of Erotica Jones. 
Um, but, I mean, that but, would have been an obvious that, it, it, that would have been an obvious triple bill with, for this episode. Yeah, so <laughs> maybe alas, may, this no. <laughs> alas, we weren't we 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 weren't going to be able to track down thirteen episodes of that to willingly watch. No, we could have watched the, the pilot. <laughs> <laughs> um, but I I think it's really interesting that we so we get we get she gets this star vehicle here at the towards the end of the nineties, which really is her big her big like solo movie. Um, post Bay, well, you know, post her finding fame, and obviously beyond this, she goes on to be more of a tabloid icon than she is a, a an actress. Um, and I guess she could have gone for anything, and the and the that she could have been offered any kind of leading role. She could have, you know, she could have gone gone down. I don't know, maybe more of a romantic angle, but the, or, you know, she could she could have chosen any kind of type of genre to go into, because it's not like Barb Wire is playing on her um, her strengths from Baywatch, which is which is you know maybe very light action, but in a different way. Um, and I kind of think like she is she is presented here. As like a Jean Claude Van Damme, Dolph Lundgren, like an action hero of the early nineties, who is is like this this kind of like outrageous pumped up body that that you see from from the male stars, where it's their biceps, and you know that's that's the appeal of a Jean Claude Van Damme movie in the early nineties. Is oh my god, look at his. Look at his absurd builds, and you know all all of the action heroes <laughs> yeah. of that era had got to that point. It's not like it's not like her acting is significantly worse than Schwarzenegger's, that's for sure. <laughs> well, exactly, yeah, and and so like it seems to me like that's what they've pitched this movie as. Like, what if we can get Pammy to be the female? You know, like if they ever did make the Expendables, they should probably um, they should probably extend that call out to Pamela Anderson because. She seems like the archetype of what that could, you know, what that could be. Um, and like I said, I think, no, no. I think they do a solid enough job in a like straight to DVD kind of action movie that you would see now, right? Yeah, I mean, yeah, and and you know, <clears throat> it speaks to the sexism sexism of the day and and of today, so you know, of, of Hollywood today, of course, where where that lane that she that she and the movie are, try- are trying to create for her, if, if, if our analysis is correct. Like, even if Barbed Wire was amazing and, and a hit, and, uh, like, the lane isn't there for her to, 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 to be in. And, and Baywatch, you know, she's sort of probably using her stardom in the most appropriate way from, ba- from the Baywatch boost, from the Baywatch platform. But similarly, that you know, that's probably an exception that proves the rule. That you know, that uh, Pamela Anderson in, in ninety three, four, five, it, you know, it unfortunately doesn't doesn't have a career in that lane uh, for for very long at all. And there's and even today, I'm I, I was thinking about I wonder if like Gina Carano is a sort of a, 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 a sort of a slight comparison. You know, look at Haywire, or and then her her um, you know, this is this is aside from her political views, which. Mm obviously complicate all of that but you know there was this pitch i think for her of a you know a, a female action star who who both had the sort of looks but also the physicality which i think probably was was part of um, anderson's kind of thing at the time and 
that lane just isn't there. It still isn't there. Uh, I think and- I think you could you could argue that Scarlett Johansson and to some extent Charlize Theron have have done that now. Like they've obviously no, got no. more to their careers, but I think no, they're making they're not those George, sort of no. movies. They're not Schwarzenegger slash Van Damme type performers, i.e., you know, physicality and 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 pure visuals first, but that, and then they, the acting maybe comes later. They Whereas don't Anderson re- kind of was that. Right? They don't really exist now in the way that they did then. I don't think there is a. It's just the it's it's just the Rock. I think. Well, I was thinking. Here's a weird one. Cena, maybe. The, the new jo- the new Jack Reacher, what's his name? I know it's, I know oh, it's yeah. a TV show, but like there's a there's an actor where he's in that role because he just sort of looks because he's right. a brick shit house, yeah. I don't know, he just has the right look, and yeah, about but but Dave Batista happens to be you know actually kind of a great actor, but it's that's happenstance because he just looks he sort of looks right. You see, and that, that's and, and male actors have those opportunities, and there isn't there there's just not a lane for for actresses. It's funny, you know, because like when. When I'm thinking of like who could the contemporaries for Pamela Anderson be in this mold in the late '90s, yeah, there aren't there aren't any that have been given movie roles. But I think the closest is like the WWF divas. It, like I, I think like this, you could this feels like a character that you would cast someone someone out of wrestling to go in and to go in and play. Um, and I wondered, you know, could could Pamela Anderson have have had an amazing parallel career over in that arena? <laughs> <laughs> and also, I mean, here's a, here's another interesting sort of you know comparative person, and maybe you guys will balk at this, but let's take Kim Kardashian, who similarly yeah. kind of had a proper moment early in her life slash career with a sex tape, like Anderson did, and then not not segue that that's that I don't mean that, but that that was the start of of her. It was, in a, public it, was a, it was a platform, right? It was yeah, a, it was used, a platform. Yeah, then what that leads to is, uh, you know, is is not a, not getting on Baywatch. I know I know Anderson was was on Baywatch, and then the sex they come out. But but you know, she that that attention then leads to you know the sort of celebrity status of Kim Kardashian, and that maybe that didn't that sort of that that reality didn't exist reality that didn't exist back in ninety two when Pamela Anderson kind of starts Baywatch and then in the six day pits but maybe that's that's sort of a com- that's a bit of a comparative but a Pamela Anderson today just wouldn't be an actress she'd be a she'd be yeah, a, just start, a famous yeah. person yeah maybe. An, an entrepreneur basically an entrepreneur right yeah, yeah. Um, I, I also want to talk about so I I, uh, I I do wonder as well do we all find this movie significantly more boring and significantly harder to sit through? And Reese, I know with the caveat that you weren't as enamored by Barbarella, but is it is it to do with how attractive we find the star? Because I'm assuming none of us are big Pamela Anderson guys. That 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 kind of style of sex symbol didn't stick around for very long. I mean, I'm I'm old enough to have been. Indeed. The right age for her to have been like the well, most attractive woman. I don't think on the we planet. were born yet, were we, Reese? Were we born? <laughs> I was born like yeah. sort of two years ago, so I'm actually really <laughs> TikTok. I like, don't even. That's too much. For, that's too new for me. That's too old for me. <laughs> like I, I remember that era. Um, but what I would say is the relative, like you know, I wasn't. I wouldn't say I was a big Jane Fonda guy, but watching Barbarella, I was like, okay. I understand why she was cast in this. Like, I don't think it makes either movie significantly better or worse 
like or it doesn't make either movie more bearable to be attracted to the lead like there are plenty of movies i watch where the lead is attractive um it it doesn't change how good or bad the film itself is for me i think i talked about a bit about this when uh, when we were discussing barbarella a week ago uh but i uh, f- for me there is there is an inherent appeal in movie stars being super attractive and that doesn't need to that doesn't need to it doesn't need to actually be like i find them really i i am sexually attracted to them because like i say i think like beautiful men on screen and like it, insane male bodies are a thing to marvel at um and and you know like <laughs> there are there, there are scenes there are scenes in the mcu where i'm like Oh shit! <laughs> look at that! Look at that dude's biceps. There is. There... I, I rewatched fucking. I rewatched Guardians of the Galaxy a few weeks ago, and like the scene where Chris Pratt is being hosed down, going through decontamination. <laughs> mm. Like I sort of forgot. I was like, "Oh, holy shit!" He was like properly jacked in that first movie. Yeah, and 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 that was that scene was the only reason because you basically didn't see yeah, yeah. it apart from that. <laughs> Um, but yeah, I, I I do think that I I think there's an inherent value to it. Cinema is a, a visual medium, and it's a really fucking voyeuristic medium. Um, and some of my favorite directors, like you know, I've I, in the past couple of years, I've binged on Hitchcock and De Palma, who are two directors who are really, really, really uh, dialed into the idea of uh, cinema being voyeuristic. Um, and I, and I, I, you know, as a viewer, a, viewing a movie is an inherently voyeuristic act. And you know, the, the when when you add sex into that mix as well, um, you know, cinema can be a, 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 a purely a, when it wants to be can be a very erotic art form. And um, and all of that is to say, I, I do find. Jane Fonda in Barbarella incredibly attractive, and I don't find Pamela Anderson attractive in this. So I do give it less, do give it less rope. But all, but also on a pure physics of it, I did find myself like unable to take my eyes off Pamela Anderson in a like, God, yeah, how did how did this person, you know, how, like, <laughs> look like that? Yeah, but because because I'm not like I'm not attracted to her personally but i can see how people would be because there is like you know you know like on the fake boobs the... themselves are like something <laughs> that, like that something to behold like the physics of them is uh, and 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 yeah her her you know like blonde hair chiseled face like kind of like badass barbie look um on the wikipedia page i read that like they put her in a corset that shrunk her waist down to seventeen inches for the duration oh, of filming, fucking hell. which is an insane amount. It really explains like why she looks the way she does in that movie. Like, it, yeah, it's an insane, insane standard to, for anyone to live up to. It's shit like that that really does make you want to give her credit for for this. Even you know, even if she is not the most naturally talented actor. I think she, I, I think she pulls this. I think she pulls this movie off, and I think she's the only thing that's like borderline watch. You know, there's a couple of people in supporting roles who are who are fine, but are clearly like you know, they're not they're not bringing much. Like Udai Kia's in this, and he's like, 
he's not he's not but he's not super dialed in right and and Tamara Morrison I think is another actor who is (laughs) uh challenged in 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 the in the acting department um so yeah I I kind of think like Pamela Anderson is that like if anyone if anyone is going to watch this and I can only imagine anyone who ever has watched this she (laughs) is the reason to do it yeah yeah and it's well it's it's the it's that Van, it's, you know, and Van Damme and Schwarzenegger have the same thing where you, you're, they feel sort of, you know, uh, Olympian, right? They sort of have these, uh, they feel special, you know, they, they are just the physicality of them. Yeah. Feels, you're just kind of compelled by it visually because uh, it feels so, not unnatural, but unreal, you know, they, they look like they look like cartoon characters yeah, like, in like some way. Com- they look completely unattainable yeah. in in any kind of real life sense. Yeah. Um, I, I'm thinking. I, I'm thinking specifically of Schwarzenegger in Commando. Where ooh. I'm pretty sure it's Commando, where there are like scenes of him literally carrying around like entire tree trunks, just because he can, just so you can see his arms like wrapped around them. Hmm. Yeah. Now you know. Now we have. I'm thinking of like, for, you know, for our oeuvre, like the, you know, the sequence in um, Age of Ultron with the with the the, the tree chopping for Captain America that was yeah, like yeah a bit of a moment in that film. But but the, I guess the difference is that you know now nowadays that stuff is you, you, you know you can never really you, you, you know you don't really believe it necessarily. It's 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 there's probably some trickery at play. Whereas Bob White, especially with the Especially as it, as it sort of looks quite cheap, you know. You, your your most amazing special effect is just Pamela Anderson and what she looks like. There is uh, no question you, you, of her suit being CGI in this. I can say that much. Yeah, <laughs> and you know, and, and, and you hear about you know we're at the point probably where, and this was probably happening twenty years ago. You know, sort of this isn't super new, but we're we're definitely at the point, or you know, now when you watch films where you don't think that the the actors are. You know, you don't think there's much CGI, or, or maybe it's an action film that where obviously you understand the CGI of the big action sequences, but you know the rest of the movie is just people talking. Actually, probably if it's the right stars, like they're CGI on their faces, on their bellies. You know, they're sort of they're getting they're getting all that work done. You know, the sort of famous movie star Hollywood work done. They don't they're not actually getting it done anymore in real life. They're getting it done in post. You know, mm. uh, The Rock is getting his belly slimmed in and getting his Getting his, um, getting his, uh, what's the, what's the word? Uh, his wrinkles, you know, wrinkles deleted. Yeah, well, that's in the, the thing, computer. isn't it? Like the, the CGI de aging isn't just yeah. to, to make no. characters look 20 years younger. It's, it's also done just to make younger. them look five years younger. Yeah, yeah to look, to more look five, imperceptible. Yeah, yeah. yeah. I, and, then, and so, therefore, you watch the movie like Barbed Wire, and, and, and it's, just, it's just clearly all so real. Aha. And uh, that starts to be admired, you know, not in a not in a um, in a sort of sexual way, although it is. It's to be admired in a more um, general, you know, physical. <laughs> the lost art uh, of action fitness. cinema. Yeah, I don't know. It's yeah, exactly, exactly. Yes, yes, yeah. Uh, and and to draw that line further through to modern day and comic book adaptation. So obviously, so Barbarella is a sexy story adapted from 
a horny French comic book. Is is the comic as horny as the James? You read some Barbarella, didn't you? I did. I read uh, the original Barbarella and I read the original Barb Wire just to compare and contrast. Okay, so on on the page of both of those things, horny. That that would be some that's some good context to get. Okay, so that's interesting, right? Because Barbarella. When when it came out, was hailed as like, oh, finally, you know, a legitimate comic for adults. Lots of nudity, lots of sex. It's so tame. It's so tame. It is. It has its horny moments, but it's like, it's less horny than your average superhero comic is now. Okay. Like, aside mm. from the fact that she has actual nipples, mm. like you could pick up any Jim Lee book and think this is a lot hornier than that. Well, it's interestingly, the movie is. You know, you compare Barbarella with Black Widow, you know, the sort of horniness levels or the, it's always, you know, off the chain with Barbarella. It's, that's, a, that's a much hornier movie than, than Black Widow. Mm-hmm. Whereas perhaps Barbarella the comic in the day, maybe that's quite comparable to uh, yeah, maybe, yeah, it the was. Black Widow comic today. And, sure. and James, what about Barb Wire? Is that, is, <laughs> is that explicitly sexy on the page? So that's interesting. The The original Barbed Wire Limited series is almost makes no feature of her being attractive. Like, interesting. clearly, she's got this, like, blonde bombshell personality, but she's not, like, dressed up in black leather or anything, you know. She doesn't have giant breasts. It's not, it's not a feature of the comic. It's just a hmm. sort of fairly straight-up action... Uh, sort of post-apocalyptic story where she dresses, I think, in like pink and pink and white or something, and it's a fairly it's a more utilitarian outfit. It's like trousers and a jacket and stuff. It's only after the movie comes out right. that they reinvent the character and basically start drawing her how she is in the movie. So, so there's one, I think, one one limited series of maybe six or eight issues that take place before the movie and then after that they go okay now we're going to turn barbed wire into the the one that was on screen so it's almost as if the persona being played with here is pamela anderson rather than the barbed wire comic character Mm -hmm. although you know to be fair you know that 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 has absolutely happened in the comics in more recent times yeah yeah, yeah, sure yeah basically downey jr as iron man was different to the comics iron man before and then, you know, after those movies come out, he's the comics Iron Man becomes Danny Jr. Basically. Yeah, yeah, so, yeah. So, certainly, I, certainly not a criticism, it's just interesting, isn't it? Yeah, can I ask you guys? I mean, uh, back in the I remember listening to the Tank Girl episode back in the day, and then Tank Girl was sort of in the mix for the copies. And anyway, I, I've never seen that film, I never read a comic, but I just I, I wondered, I just looking up now, you know, the, the timeline of the uh, Tank Girl movie, which comes out in um. Oh goodness! So I just had it up here. It comes out in 1995. The comic is runs in the late 80s, early 90s. They're, they're very, you know, they're these interesting kind of comparative timelines. I wondered your thoughts on, yeah, on on, on the comparison between these those two properties and films. I I I honestly don't think there is much of one. Uh, I mean, who's the other girl? Right? Is it Rocket Girl, James? The Naomi Watts character, Jet Girl. Sorry, yeah, Jet Girl is kind of. I remember that movie having a little bit of fun with Jet Girl being sexy, um, but I, mostly it feels like I don't know, in nineties terms that like, 
uh, Tank Girl would be for like an NME reader, and Barbed Wire is for an FHM reader. <laughs> yeah, <laughs> yeah. I mean, the thing the thing about Tank Girl is that it's kind of punky and anarchic and mm. cartoonish, and and directed by a woman as well. And directed yeah. by a woman. I wonder whether yeah, that's that, kind that of a that is a piece, major right? factor in it. Because um, you got two, co- you got within a year, you got two comic a- adaptations starring, uh, you know, blonde, you know, sort of beautiful, you know, attractive uh, action women uh, in a, in a post in a sort of a post apocalyptic or dystopian scenario, played by you know kind of a, a prominent thirty something performers of the moment, and and one is Tank Gunner, one is Bob Wire. Uh, and I just wondered, you know, yeah, that sort of. I think Tank Tank Girl feels a little bit more countercultural, and mm. so does I. I mean, like Barbarella is obviously like <clears throat> it's it's kind of you know playing on sixties free love, sexual liberation, kind of you know it's it's that kind of movie. It's whereas I think Barbed Wire feels weirdly like a product of the nineties mainstream. Like, uh, like I, I, I think in terms of our attitude to sexuality, the nineties is kind of the nadir. <laughs> yeah, you know, like with, with like lads' mad culture and uh, the way that women are depicted in in pop culture, the way that they are dismissed. Um, you, you know, it's 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 also from a from a top Hollywood level. It's the you know. It's the it's the decade in which Harvey Weinstein, you know, takes his foothold as one of the most major players in Hollywood, and 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 also, you know, talk about Pamela Anderson. You know, here is a star who, you know, as we said, like is now most notorious for a sex tape that is the subject, you know, the subject of her TV biopic in a way. Which was which was stolen and sold without her consent. Um, I, yeah, so it like this this feels like weirdly, and it that this does feel like this kind of like I think more leery sexual. It, it has a more leery attitude towards sex, where I get I get the impression that Pamela Anderson is being used more as a prop in this movie than. Jane Fonda is being used in the sixties one, e- even though Reese, as you say, that that the, there is, they write the character in such a way that she, she, the character at least, is using it to her advantage. I mean, I, th- I think, I think I went, you're I went, right. I went, in, I went in circles there, but I <laughs> no, I think I think you're right that um, Barbarella has that sixties like free love philosophical underpinning that, in a way, that Barb White doesn't. Um, and that, in a way, makes things a bit less skeevy. Certainly for me, anyway, is that I can I can see that the the sex positivity in Barbarella was yeah. de- was designed to be an idea in itself. It's like I don't, a, I don't necessarily yeah. think there's anything wrong with what Barbara is doing. I don't think it's a movie that deserves to be cancelled. I just think it has like a no, no. It, it's 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 sex feels grubby. Um, yeah, but but okay, you know, again, maybe controversial to the world counterpoint. I just wonder whether you know the sort of sex positive, free love, sixties thing, which Rob Run is, is you know, 
is it not run by the same yeah sort of, yeah uh, impulses by men <laughs> as what comes in the nineties or and then what we still see today? So therefore, you got Barbarella, you got her Jane Fonda being naked on camera, and that's like no, we're sort of sex positive. It's great. Actually, you have got the same kind of pervy men behind the scenes who just want to see her naked, and then with Barbwire, it's more again the sort of the, the textually, it's more in the film there are grubby men who want to see her naked, but. But that there's a, you know maybe there's a more of an honesty to that 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 uh, that maybe you know the same scenario exists thirty years later but at least we're 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 shining the light on 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 men who who want this and actually back then we were pretending like they didn't. Uh, I don't, I don't, I don't, like I said, I don't think there's anything wrong with what Barb Wire does. I'm talking on a purely, in purely aesthetic terms, it feels like a grubbier, sleazier kind of sex. But I also, I, I, I broadly would stand in the position that it's a good thing to have sex in movies as long, as long as it's not exploitative. Um, and I, and I don't, I don't think without, you know, without knowing too many details of what's going on behind the scenes in these cases, but it doesn't feel like in the two movies that we've watched that the sex is exploitative. And to draw that, you know, that through line through to the modern day. And when we're talking about, you know, uh, obviously for us through the line of, through the lens of comic book adaptations, but you know, it was, it was worthy of writing headlines about last year that there was a sex scene in a Marvel movie and that sex scene was not sexy, right? It was. It was. <laughs> no, it was sandy. It, it felt like it felt like it was. <laughs> it, it was there yeah. because Chloe Zhao was like, "Come the fuck on, can we just do this? Like, why? Yeah. I'm, I'm trying to tell an epic love story. Can we not have? Can we not put an, a, an extremely chaste sex scene into this? Because because yeah. now, and I, you know, this is this is there. You know, there are there are stats that back this up. Hollywood releases are you know, have less sex and nudity in them than they've had in decades. Um, and it's it's weird. It, there is something weird about our current era of superheroes where they are all these chiseled, buff, like objects of lust. Like, you know, we are we are supposed mm. we are supposed to want to fuck Captain America. We are. We're supposed to want to to fuck Thor. We're, we're like all of these heroes are designed to be like, oh my God, look how look what incredible mm-hmm. physical specimens they are. Well let's but let's, with let's, but let's, with yeah. but like aesthetically pleasing, but uh, like with with the sex removed and i and i don't know i think i think mm. some people would argue and i would in a lot of cases like with the sexiness removed as well and like mm. i said for, for for me that feels counterintuitive as a as a cinematic thing and as i said at the start of this episode steven soderberg gave that quote last week where he said like i couldn't make a marvel movie because these people don't have sex in the real world people have sex like i remember when we were watching loki and we were like I guess we've never seen Loki with a woman before, but we've we, we, well, we've never seen him with anyone before. He's never had any love interest before, and like, mm. how weird does that feel? That a character that's had the amount of screen time as he has has never like, there's never even been a hit a hint that he has like an interior sexual life. And uh, you know, let's let's you know, I don't know what you guys think of this, but let's bring in the you know the female led. Um, superhero movies of the last five years, you know, you know, 
those shots in the trailers of Guardians and Cap uh, or, and or, uh, I guess it, you know Kamel's naked top in in Instagram or in Eternals. Like again, to Joe's point, we or slash perhaps you know uh, uh, people that want to right you know uh, women or, or gay men or whatever want to foot want you know the the the, the productions the 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 the, the systems want you, those want those people to want to fuck Kamel Nanjiani, Chris Evans, Chris Evans, whatever. I I wonder what we you know what we think about what uh, what does the system want us to feel about Scott Jansen in Black Widow, about Gal Gadot in Wonder Woman, about um, uh, Brie Brie Larson in Captain Marvel. I've, and I don't I see. You know, I, what do you guys think about that? I right? don't think the mainstream cinema of the past four or five years. Which is, which really still is the era in which we've had female-led movies, mm-hmm. right? Yeah, su- superhero movies. I don't think they've had the opportunity to properly have that on their mind yet, because they're still dealing with the with the fallout of Me Too, and most of those stories involve the way that they have been treated by men. Um, you know, when when. So, so any any mention or any sexual dimension of those movies do tend to be mm. the, the a, a kind of reckoning mm-hmm. with the with the men yeah. that have created them, or, mm-hmm. uh, or or the or the or the male world that they are forced into. Um, mm-hmm. I, I think it will be interesting when we get to the point where those stories don't feel the need to or, or or you know we don't feel they need to have any any degree of that component and whether yeah they will treat a female superhero the way that they treat at the moment a male superhero which is to go let's let's leer at that well, well uh, having said that i think we we've we've ha- we've had the hangover of the let's just leer at female superheroes um but that it was when they were shoved off to the side, and it was Scarlett Hansen in a in a leather cat suit, right? Yeah, no, that's yeah. I, I, is that maybe that is that maybe you know her in Iron Man one? Is that is that maybe the last time that that was true? I'm trying to think. Uh, you know where where it, it really did feel. You know, it was very male gazy. It was. I know that her costume sort of changed over the years, and it's still sort of figured. Uh, figure hugging but i wonder I think is that, that the last point i don't know maybe it might maybe. be the last point where it was that explicit but yeah. I, mm-hmm. I you know there, I, I would still point to like you look at the way that Zack snyder shot uh, and yeah, joss whedon fair. shot gal gadot comp- compared to yeah. the way that patty jenkins shot her so i think there is still some of mm-hmm. that you know subliminally in there but i don't think it's like the i don't think it's the barefaced intent of those movies mm. But it's just it's 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 interesting how I think I, I think with any and I think that you know it's, Eternals is a good example right where I don't think the Eternals are presented any of them as sexy and you know 
that is a that they are a gorgeous group well, no, of people, sorry. right? I'm afraid you you are forgetting. You know that um, Druid isn't Druid is in that movie. Yeah. Right? Reese, <laughs> have you seen Barry like, Keegan's shirtless uh, Twitter <laughs> post? <laughs> of course I have. Oh my god! See that's yeah, so put, put that in Eternals too, and then let's have some sex. <laughs> um, <You're> absolutely. <laughs> everyone just immediately takes their clothes off to join him. Like, okay. um, they're like, "Oh, he's mind controlling you, right?" And, he, and they're like, "No, I, no, I'm completely <laughs> like, this yes, is yes, yes, sure, <laughs> Um, but yeah, I, I, like Eternals is a movie where I think, and I think this applies to a lot of superhero movies now, where it it wants you to go look at these beautiful people, not look at these sexy people. Um, mm, yeah. do, do you not think, though, because the impression I get is that the reason all of these movies basically do as little as possible in terms of making anyone think about sex is that... Most of them is are made by kind... Mickey Mouse. It's, where is this kind of general... I don't have a penis! Hello! <laughs> <laughs> Great, now we're going to get sued. <laughs> it, no, like... my name is Michael Moosey. Nothing connected to Mickey Mouse. Hello! <laughs> it's, it's like the sort of puritanical American thing that is like, kids must not be exposed to anything sexual ever until they are 21. But sp- the first Spider-Man movie, right? Was you know you see Spider Man's dick, James? His hard <laughs> dick. The first out of the camera, it was in three D. The first Spider Man movie was insanely <laughs> successful at the box office. There was no backlash against it, and that was a movie where there was you know there was sexual tension between Spider Man and Mary Jane. You know the upside down kissing scene is mm-hmm. sexy. Uh, there is, you know, we 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 do take a moment to ogle Toby Maguire when he takes his shirt Make off for the first time, and he's and firing. He's and and then, yeah, and then that's and then that scene is a very clear like puberty metaphor. Like yeah, that, yeah. that that's the reason he has organic web shooters. It just becomes it's a, a gag in the new movie. But it that that's the that's the yeah. that 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 is, yeah. and, and you know so that that was a superhero movie that had. Just at least some like sexual, uh, some sexual tension. Like I, I, my favorite relationship is the MC, in the MCU is Stephen Peggy, but that's like it's so <laughs> they fucking kiss once. Yeah, it's it's so fucking chaste, and like yeah. to you know uh, prove prove otherwise. Captain America's a virgin, and. Oh, I've, got, I've got fan art it that, just... that does prove otherwise. But, well, yeah, well so, so that, the, fan, the fan is me. That's another thing that I want to lean on. Like, I think there is a reason why so shipping much and... shipping has yeah. gone into this. It's because, like, you it's know, an event that needs to be sort of needs the wind needs to fly out somewhere, right? Yeah. yeah. So, and, and and like in the same Steve way, Fox Bucky, I need to write a, a, a three thousand word essay where that happens, and <laughs> but, I'll do a picture. So I think the, the same website. impulse between writing that kind of fan fiction, that kind of slash fiction about um, two male characters is because we've been denied that. Mm. And I think increasingly we are being denied any kind of sexual component to these characters. And I I think it's, I don't know, I think it's weird and I think it's Mm -hmm. to the detriment of these movies and and this, like, uh... to, to, to studio filmmaking as a whole. Can I, 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 I wonder whether, you know, so, so we, we talked last week or two weeks ago or last episode, or who knows about, you know, the Batman 
the, the Batman being 15 and being three hours and sort of stuff. I wonder whether, and I said at the time that that was part of they're trying to differentiate a bit, trying to mm. be separate to the MCU while still being fucking Batman shit. Um, but also, you know, it, I, you know, it sort of looks like that could the, have some. The marketing does in, seem uh, to be increasingly leaning on that, like, oh. Yeah, and you know, I wonder whether this con- this discussion that we're having now, uh, you know, perhaps Warner Brothers had whatever four years ago, and no one did. Uh, you know, and you've also got the the um, you know, I don't know about you, James or, or Joe, whether you read this. Uh, you know, the the Tom King Batman comic run. Um, I read was, uh, like five issues. Sure, I thought it was in- I thought it was r- really sexy, and and really there was so, there was so much really exciting. Uh, you know, tension between Batman and Catwoman in that, and perhaps that perhaps this film is 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 pulling from that. And my only point is, you know, maybe I wonder whether we'll, you know, we could see in a couple of weeks a slight not correction, but a slight alternative to to what we've been describing, and that and and that that could connect with audiences because I mean, the, because the yeah, DC it feels universe, like there's, there's stuff left on the table maybe in some of this stuff. The DC universe has always been a bit hornier than the Marvel stuff, that's for sure. Like, which is interesting, but you know, that, that feels counterintuitive because you would have thought that the Marvel universe, which is supposed to be a bit more kind of salt of the earth, man of the people, boots on the ground, and the DC characters are more, you know, gods, etc. <laughs> I uh, mean... They, it feels counterintuitive, but I agree with you. There is no one in the Greek pantheon who has not fucked everyone else in the Greek pantheon. So I guess in a way, because if you're gods, like there's no, there's no, you don't get STIs, you don't get, you don't get pregnant. Like <laughs> yeah, sometimes, God. sometimes you, you have to have your head cracked open because <laughs> you fucked a swan or whatever. But you know, normally, normally, listen, listen James, story of my life. Sometimes you got to get your head cracked up, head cracked up because you fucked a swan. Listen, buddy, I was there Tuesday. I was there last, last Saturday. I get it. I get it. <laughs> Uh, I still, I, I still, I think it might be a bit more inherent to DC, but I don't think it's showed up too often on screen. Obviously, they no. they make less movies, but you know, I'm trying, I'm trying to think of the. Well, you got Poison Ivy, and you know that you know Batman and yeah, I think, but I think, yeah, that, but that's in an era where I'm saying it did happen. Um, DC EU, hmm. right? Chris Pine and Gal Gadot all over the shop. Um, <laughs> Aquaman and Mira, pretty horny. Mm, mm. Like, there's there's more of it. I think Zack Snyder's less interested in it than most most of the other filmmakers, but it's in and there. Well, yeah. It's and in there in a way that, that it isn't I, in the Marvel I don't movie. think you'd be All able that. to tell that Zack Snyder was trying to make a scene sexy, even if he was. And then Genuinely, also, you, in that, yeah, yeah, no, I agree. Yeah. <laughs> in that combo, you have the fact that you you know all that a lot of that starts with Christopher Nolan who. I don't think would know a sex scene if it sort of was played in front of his eyes, Clockwork Orange style, for for, for three days straight. I mean, he rarely he, his, his dick wouldn't move. He rarely knows a female character, so yeah, exactly. Yeah. <laughs> Although Br- Br- Bruce, and, one word Bruce and Talia have sex, don't they, in The Dark Knight Rises? I guess. Mm-hmm. So there is at least yeah. a sex I, 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 out, of, out of grim necessity. Yeah. <laughs> You missed, guys. Sorry, you missed a really. I made a really funny joke about the the tenant word was actually the word celibate. But I think you oh, were talking over dear. that. It actually was a good joke. It was. Uh, I was trying to put you in the mind space of watching that trailer, and he puts his hands together and he goes celibate. I think you know, it's funny. I did it in my obviously my flat. The thing is, yeah. but um, I'm telling you now. I'm, I'm like good joke, funny joke. Point, 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 point. Thank you, thank you. Can we, should we just drag the discussion back to the film we actually watched? By the way. 
Yeah, but I did, I did, I did, I did, I did set this out at the start. I wanted it to be a bit broader. Oh, because, sure, yeah. Because yeah. like the there isn't there isn't much plot wise to get into with barbed wire, right? It's. I mean, there is a plot. It's Casablanca. <laughs> well, yeah, kind of. I liked this movie, by the way. Ba- More than bounty I bounty hunting Casablanca. <laughs> I like the apocalyptic Casablanca. Like... There's no question about it. It has. I like yeah, I mean, like Terry Morrison. It was. It was fun. It was it, fun. This movie was fun. It's like Casablanca in the ter- in terms that she owns a bar and they do the scene at the end and there's a little bit of double crossing, but that, <laughs> it's not. It's not really. It's just. It's like someone's gone. She owns a bar. Could we do a Casablanca thing? And they went, Yeah, sure, I guess. The thing. The thing I like actually is that they went. This movie exists for us to put Pam Rance in a lead role. You know what do we do with the story? And someone just went, I ah, just do Casablanca. No one will notice. <laughs> who's Who's going to care? I mean, in fairness, this wasn't the worst movie that we've watched for the podcast. Like, there are <laughs> there are a lot of less entertaining films that we've seen, and I think this would make a good double bill with with Catwoman. Rackets Halle Berry. I think this would Catwoman, be kind of an interesting. I was a lot. Better. I was a lot less entertained by. The, I don't, one I don't of think. The wait, sorry. That, I don't think the, going for it. I don't think the movie is fun, but it has like fun flourishes or where, or like sort of, for a scene, it will just decide to go fully over the top, or suddenly like a character will walk on screen who just has a mad fucking quirk. Like there's one character who speaks as an android, and there's one who <laughs> is blind and has a running bit with that. Um, and there's one who is a fat guy who lives in a digger. Yeah, yeah, in the, in the scoop of a digger. Yeah. I mean that that stuff's very Mad Max slash um, Escape from New York in LA. Like that, that was, yes, that's, that's yeah. so clear as an influence in in those bits for for sure. Yeah, there's a, there's a it's re- it's really funny. There's a there's a pre title like as the movie starts, there is like text that comes up on screen that explains yeah, to you this so is this is yeah. this is the future. This is the situation. <laughs> is it like the far distant future of like 2019 or something? Yeah, yeah. This the, the classic sci-fi in the far distant future that's that that you've all now lived through. Uh, society <laughs> collapsed and blah, and this happened and that happened, and then. Um, the movie starts. We have the we have the stripping scene. We have her taking down like the first bad guys, and she uh, and, and we find out she's a bounty hunter. And then she does a voiceover that basically reiterates all of the stuff from the from the text at the start. And I was like, "Oh wow, this is not this is not going to be an efficiently told story." <laughs> See, like for me, there were bits things I found entertaining were like trying to figure out whether it was Pan Branson or whether it was her stunt double. Um, like there <laughs> was a, a lot really of that in the film. No bar re- review. Yeah, I, just, I, liked, I liked I, it enough. I liked trying to think, think who was doing the thing. I just, I found it really funny. Like how, you know, how obviously the physicality was different and how her, mm. her giant hair was like covering her face at really strategic points. Yeah, but watch the Mandalorian. You know, I mean, come on, with you know, we're at the point where they just wear fucking helmets and shit. It's, 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 why should <laughs> it? Yeah, why should big, it be any different? There's a big sequence where she's wearing a motorbike helmet. Yes, and I and I did. I absolutely did think the Mandalorian when I, when I was watching that. I was, or, or or Book of Boba Fett, or there's another one recently. That you know, it, uh, we're almost moving to this worrying or sort of interesting spot with like action TV shows where 
they go like, well, we'll just put if we just put him in a helmet. Oh, I, I know. I tell you, the, I tell you, the one I'm thinking of is um, is Hawkeye and all the kind of the Ronin sequences where they're like, mm-hmm. just get, just get him the I mean, we Reeves, can, like, I'll be, I'll be honest. The Mandalorian you, guy. You, we we can basically look to all of superhero cinema for this. Like there is, I think, any, yeah, any, Iron Man, right? Well, not not even yeah. now is it like any time where the mask is down, they're not on set. That that they're, they're, they're like. There aren't stunt doubles on set. When the mask is down, that's that's an CGI. Yeah. CGI. Yeah. Oh Christ! What the? F- oh, God, I hate this. <laughs> well, no, but, they, but, but this, that is, it's not even a new thing. Like you know, the yeah. I remember watching the first Avengers movie, and um, I'm, I'm sure I've mentioned this before. I had to top up the screen time uh, for a uh, uh, for like a infographic feature that they were doing in Empire. So I sat in front of the Avengers and watched it and timed the length of time that every member of the Avengers was on screen for. Um, and like the most of all the characters was Iron Man. However, if you did, mm-hmm. if you did Robert Downey Jr. rather than Iron Man, he was the least of all the characters. <laughs> so, you, think- you know, he, I, I don't think he spent an awful lot of time on that set. Do you think the future holds? I mean, it's depressing. Like in ten years' time, where we go to the you know the big blockbuster film in the summer, and it'll be like, "Hi, I'm I'm James Bond. I have a, a martini, shaken not stirred." Oh, oh, oh my God! There's some trouble outside. Let me just put on my uh, balaclava and I'll do <laughs> fighting stuff. Uh, don't worry, I'll deal with it. I have to put my balaclava on. It doesn't show my eyebrows. No, I think I think the fu- the, fu- the future is they won't even need the balaclava. Yeah. <laughs> oh God, no! Yeah. <laughs> but it'd be like that. Um, I don't like it, but that insane movie, The Congress, which imagines a future where oh. everyone's digital likenesses have been sc- uh, scanned in. Or it'll be the you know the Wachowskis, you know, and people shout on them at the time, but you know they were weirdly ahead of the curve when they had Keanu do the weird thing on the stick and he flings around and it's uh it's the fully the burly right. brawl is yeah the, the burly brawl yeah, yeah. for that yeah. sequence and they were like no oh, wachowski's no that stinks we we can see it's a computer and wachowski's are probably like well yeah we're just we're just trying to we're trying to show you what it's <laughs> you all gonna be like you just won't know which which one i kind of help you I, mean, again, I think the dark the dark future of like the, the mcu is in in 2045 we'll be watching like the 1945 avengers and it'll be like Here's Humphrey Bogart as Iron Man, and, oh. <laughs> and, and uh, oh, Veronica Lake oh. as um, Captain Marvel, and <laughs> Marlon Brando is the Hulk. Yeah. I mean, yeah, Bust, sounds good. Buster Keaton He's is Ant Man. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. Oh, by the way, that's a Patreon. That's got to be a Patreon episode. Cast decade by decade the Avengers that are going to be yeah. <laughs> CGI face mask on. Just, it, just quickly it. again, I want to boring me drag it around to the film, <laughs> to the film <laughs> we the were film. talking about. The film we were talking about, yeah. Okay. Listen, uh-huh. I watched uh-huh. this yeah. film, uh-huh. so I have to get my opinions out on it. Otherwise, it was all for <laughs> nothing. Otherwise, what was the point? Sure. Yeah. So I got a couple more points I want to make. Okay. Well, and, um, and we'll say, James, that these are final thoughts because we've been talking for quite a while. Yeah. <laughs> One is that the character of Barbarella uh, of Barbwire is like this almost stereotypical version of the like strong female protagonist in the she is relentlessly badass like just shoots everyone punch kicks everyone and has emotional armor thicker than most tanks and like i found it really interesting to just see that trope done in a way that now gets a lot of criticism not unjustly 
but sometimes yeah. when I read those like ah oh, strong female strong female character like takedowns, I'm like, did that ever did that version ever actually exist though? Because I always thought well, we sort of went straight from Buffy to mm. people making fun of the idea of a strong female protagonist, like having misconstrued what we mean by strong. But actually, I think Barb Wire almost gets almost gets that that trope down to a T. I found that interesting. That's fair. Yeah, I don't. Um... <laughs> <laughs> yeah, I've got um, my, my my next point. I've got yeah well, is that cool. this movie is reasonably entertaining on a camp level, and it's ninety eight minutes long. Which means I rated it more highly than the likes of uh, Blade Trinity, Ghost Rider: Spirit of Vengeance, uh, Dark Phoenix, Wonder Woman 1984. Though wow. these are these yeah. are all movies yeah. I would less rather rewatch than Barbed Wire. You're a big. How long did this waste my time for, guy? I, I feel like you're like. I just is I it just under hundred minutes. Yeah, I just so think if you're going to keep star. me there Hell for yeah. two and a half hours, you better have something <laughs> worth doing. And I, I'll be honest. Way, this this movie is fully fifteen minutes too long. <laughs> <laughs> it, no, but it it like this movie has no business being over ninety minutes. I, 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 mean, it's I, I don't think it, minutes. I don't think it would have been if they hadn't have. I, and I'm again, I'm just making this assumption. Decided to film the opening <laughs> sequence at the end and stick it yeah, in front of the fair. movie. Yeah. I agree. I agree with that. But I think, you know, it, it could have been a lot worse than it is. And, uh, you know, in in the list of films that we have watched for this podcast, it's not actually that close to the bottom. I think what you are trying to say in cinematic universe terms is this has got a better shot at Howard T. Duck than it does at Worst Movie. Absolutely for me. Uh, my final thoughts are that I enjoyed watching this more than more than Barbarella. Uh, I thought it left me with lots, lots of lots to think about. Um, it's a, it's a, it's a very interesting, uh, very interesting. It's it's an interesting sort of historical piece, especially you know. And I know, I know, Joe. That's why we picked this to to, to, to look at. But it's you know, kind of with the Pam and Tommy miniseries being in the news at the moment thinking about fan lands and it, you know that 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 gives it this interesting context um yes it's cheap and it's a bit generic but you know it's a bit it's a bit sort of uh sort of a bit of a also ran but phrase but you know they, they don't make movies like this anymore you, they, you know they barely make it they, they would barely make a tv show like this really <laughs> Um, and that's that's got that that's that's interesting. And Pamela Anderson as a as a cultural figure, as discussed, you know, it feels like we don't have anything like that today, and perhaps didn't have much like it before because the nineties was this kind of strange um, uh, uh, sort of pe- period where things seem to you know, different angles of, converse, of, of of cultural converse seem to you know cross-reference so Pamela Anderson it feels like quite you know very much a unique figure at that moment and this is her her soul you know sort of her soul film leading leading role uh and and, and it, yeah it's an it's a, it's, a, it's a very unique interesting um product you know it's very singular uh even though it's cheap and bad it's it is very singular and I found it interesting Okay, and my closing thought is a plea to Hollywood to make movies sexy again. 
And, and I, <laughs> we, and, will and, we will never see as many breasts as we have in these two movies on the podcast ever again. Doesn't doesn't need to be breasts. Shirtless guys, give me a bit of dong. Give me some butt shots. You know, like that's like uh, uh, just or just give me sexual chemistry between two characters. Give me give me characters with interior sexual lives. Like how insane is it that we've been shown the uh, the teenage Spider Man? And he's not horny. Like nothing about him is horny. Like his, <laughs> in fact, like his his, his one relatives do keep dying, man. His Come one, on. but his one relationship is like is like what's we, hornier, Jay? They, they immediately they immediately skip to like, oh my god, this is like an undying love story that is you know, yeah yeah told across it. Like there there is, I'm sure but... there is a way. I'm sure there is a way for Hollywood to figure out how to bring sex, sexiness, eroticism back to mainstream filmmaking with without the problematic parts that there were in previous decades because there were like there were movies that when i was 13 years old like right great example is american pie which i think is a movie that actually still stands up in terms of it being really uh, it it being really funny and in, at some points is like quite sweet and progressive but also has this like horrific scene in the middle <laughs> where all of all of these kids spy on a girl uh, who takes her clothes off, and like it tries to undercut it with the with the punchline scene or whatever, but still not great. And it hasn't it has that has not aged well at all. But I think there is a, there is a, there is a, you know there is a way to bring that kind of you know uh, that kind of acknowledgement that sex is a thing that th- people think about back into mainstream movie making. Whilst removing the problematic nature, because you know well, we we have to you know people have to exist in the real world, finding a way to be horny and have sex without <laughs> being problematic all the time. Now, admittedly, some people don't achieve that, but a lot of normal, ordinary people do. And I wonder whether I wonder whether the answer is put you know put the keys in female f- filmmakers' hands to, sh- to you know to, sh- to show the dudes how to do it. To show the dudes how to make these sexy movies that don't have such a male gaze and don't and, and don't feel skeevy, but you know, but 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 bring this real emotion, this kind of like driving emotion in terms of cinema back into cinema, um, and and, well, and especially in the comic book genre, because uh, just well, just uh, just just. Uh, Acknowledge that it is a component in these people's lives. Thank you, Doctor Freud. Uh, well, Joe, I, I, I don't. Know I've got great news for you. The movie exists. It's called Deep Water. It comes out on March eighteenth on Hulu. So that's you know that's, that's sort of. I, I think broadly, this movie is coming out in a month. I think I broadly agree with you, Joe, in that it is such a huge part of the human experience and an important one, and it goes unreflected by these movies on even the most basic level. Mm. I sort of don't think that the people who put CGI hair over Darahana's ass in <sighs> a fucking movie about a mermaid uh, are the people who are going to do it, though. No. Well, I hope that, you know, what was, James, what was the, the comic was called, like, The Batman Who Laughs, right? That was the kind of sort of multiverse, like, he's Joker, but he's yeah, Batman thing. Yeah. That was his name, right? I would hope that Warner Brothers, you know, we are not that far away from 
the Batman who fucks. Like that's it's like that's <laughs> a character okay. that can exist in the in, in the multiverse. You know, Mark, maybe Michael Keaton is the Batman who fucks. I don't know. Like Flash is doing multiverse shit. Like it's happening. It's coming. Right. It's okay. I mean, coming. I mean, it's it's happening. Nope. It's, going to, it's arriving. No, nope. it's, it's over. Going to be Stop. a thing. It's over happening to us. We need to move on. Uh, <laughs> <laughs> that was our discussion of Barbara and Barbarella. Um, Hell yeah. Reese, have you come up with a pitch? Because if not, I've got one. Of for course. You. Oh, have you? It's wonderful. Oh, I have. Yeah. Have you actually? Because I've got one that I could yes, give I you have. and James right now. Uh, I, well, okay. Should we do both? How good is yours? Good do, do you like yours? My one's amazing. Okay. Let's do mine first then and we'll build up to yours. Okay. <laughs> <laughs> um, so, I, I, my pitch is pitch me a modern day sexy superhero movie. I've got, I've got it immediately. Immediately. Uh-huh. Just, just do Rogan Gambit properly. Those two characters... Yeah. Even in the nineties, in a kids' cartoon, were the horniest pair, and they had this extra horny dimension of, if you even so much as touch her skin, you could die. And what is what is more tantalizing than being so close? You both want it, but you can't have it. Is it a little bit Bonnie and Clyde that um, that dynamic? Sure. I, I, if you like, <laughs> if you like it, <laughs> no, it's just I was genuinely wondering if that if if like because they're both like like anti-hero-ish, right? Yeah, they're but you know they're both they've walked on the villain side as well as the hero side for sure. Okay, Reese, sexy superhero movie, give it to me. Okay, I'm staying with Marvel, and I'm going with it's a Mystique and Destiny movie. Uh, Mystique being this, you know, sort of sort of shapeshifter, so she can be, you know, she, you know, she in her general form is a sexy lady, but she can be a different sexy lady or a sexy man. And Destiny, you know, is blind, so it's all, it's all, it's all visual. It's all, it's all through. Sorry, so not all visual. It's not visual at all. It's all through touch and and, and language conversation. She can also tell the future. So you know that's a fun sex scene to me. Like Mystique is like, I'm gonna, be, I'm gonna make myself Channing Tatum, and Destiny's like, No, I've already seen that you will, and I'm so therefore it doesn't tell me on at all because I know it's gonna happen. <laughs> and so that's a kind of a fun dynamic. That's a ten- there's a tension there. I think, uh, I just- think, <laughs> I think it's interesting. We both went for the X Men because that says a lot about Chris Claremont. <laughs> I think. Yeah. And These guys are I, I think it's particularly interesting that we chose characters who are basically in the same family. Um, so it could be one movie. What? No, no, don't. That's <laughs> that. That's that's a bridge that I don't need. It's, it's the in. It's the insect man. It's the insect man. Wow. <laughs> did did you know that in the original conception of of Nightcrawler, the plan was that Destiny was going to be Nightcrawler's mother, and Mystique shapeshifted into a man was going to be his father. No. That, cool. that was one of the plans. Mm. I found that interesting. That is interesting. But Clement wasn't allowed to do it for a variety of reasons. <laughs> no, It took a long so time for them to acknowledge that Mystique and Destiny were even lovers. <laughs> he was a horny fucker, wasn't he, Clement? He was in so many ways. I'm sure I've talked about it before, and I'm sure I'll talk about it properly one day. <laughs> uh, Reese, you still want to do your pitch? Yes. Go on. <laughs> okay. Well, who, who, win, who wins? Who oh, wins James, because you never give it to me. <laughs> Fuck you. Uh, okay, well, maybe I don't want you to do that. Okay, my pitch is simple. So you can pick either Barbarella or Barbwire. 
uh, and recast them today, but and gen- but but gender swap it. Ah, uh, that my answer for both is Chris Hemsworth. Fuck you, so boring. Okay, <laughs> lose, 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 lose. Uh, I'm so bad with casting ideas. Um, uh, I would probably have said Chris Hemsworth as well, to be honest, because he can do he can do like innocent and badass and horny at the same time. I, I, um, I, I also think it's interesting, right, that our our current era of like young male Hollywood stars. They themselves don't really have a, a, a sexy component to their persona. Like Chalamet's the closest. I, I was think. about to say Timothy Chalamet is the only is the only one, but I'm not I'm not into that. I like I'm buff Joe. Okay, so I guess you you both lose. I mean, I know, you both lose, and I guess therefore then James wins this double pitch. Joe Spineless didn't didn't give me the weapon better answer. Gave it to James. You both guys both lost. So fine, yeah, fine. I'd also I'm never heard of Destiny before. Oh, she's man. got the grid golden mask. She can see the future. She's blind as hell. I mean, she has been dead for thirty years. I don't think we can penalize him too much for that. Yeah, she's been dead. Do you go to the grave? Do you go to the graveyard, Joe? <laughs> Do you go to the X Men graveyard? Again, an- another another line we shouldn't be crossing in this discussion. <laughs> um, okay, so that was our barbed wire and Barbarella episode. Um, uh, if you would like to hear more of this podcast, you can head to uh, Patreon, patreon.com forward slash cinematic universe. Um, you can subscribe for $3 a month and get bonus episodes. Um, we our, our last full series was Hawkeye. We're waiting for uh, Moon Knight to turn up to be able to do that week by week. And uh, and doing fun nonsense on the weeks in between. Uh, our next episode is going to be talking about uh, the Super Bowl trailers. Um, if you enjoyed this episode, then please subscribe on your podcast app of choice. So it gives a lovely rating on those as well. Uh, you can get in touch with us uh, on Twitter. We're at Cine underscore verse. I'm at Joe Cunningham 14. James is at James Hunt and Reese is at Reese. Um, and you can email us at podcast at cinematicuniverse.com. Uh, we'll be back in a couple of weeks. Uh, thanks for listening and we'll see you next time. Goodbye. Goodbye to you. up what was that boring no flavor that was as bad as those leftovers you ate all week kiki palmer here and it's time to say hello to something fresh and guilt-free hello fresh jazz up dinner with pecan crusted chicken or garlic butter shrimp scampi. now that's music to my mouth hello fresh let's get this dinner party started discover all the delicious possibilities at hellofresh.com